Oh. <laughs> I did it again. There we go. Show starting now. Using gerrymandering, voter suppression, and other nefarious tactics, the Republican Party has manipulated our electoral system to maintain as much control as possible despite being a party in the minority. Liberal Dan Radio seeks to change that, and I need your help in doing so. Liberal Dan Radio has partnered with Levelfield to help us use tools that are typically only available to big money donors. When you go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution, it will encourage other voters to reach out to their legislators to pass legislation to stop gerrymandering and voter suppression and target elected officials who refuse to protect the vote. Every eligible voter should be able to cast a ballot, and that ballot should have the same power as everyone else. I can't do this alone. I need your help. So please go to stopthecoup.liberaldan.com and make your contribution today. That's stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Stopthecoup.liberaldan.com. Political advertising paid for by Levelfield. Contributions are not tax deductible as charitable contributions. conversation is 914-803-4131 that's 914-803-4131 uh, you can also join us in the youtube chat uh youtube.com slash liberal dan radio i've decided just to not use the blog talk radio chat because well you know it's much more fun over on the youtube channel so join us on youtube and subscribe uh, to the youtube channel youtube.com slash liberal dan radio and if you're listening after the live broadcast you can leave your comments questions concerns etc on the show thread at liberaldan.com at facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. And of course, if you're watching after the show on YouTube, you can always leave your comments in the YouTube comment thread as well. A uh, bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Um, so I do have a, we have two new Liberal Dan Radio patrons starting uh, on May 11th, I think it was. We got Aaron West. Thank you very much. Aaron can barely hear me. Let's see. Let's see if I can adjust the volume here a little bit. Is it your, is it my volume or your volume? That's the problem. Cause my volume is showing pretty high. So like I'm getting all the way up there. Can you, is, is it good? I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. So thank you, Aaron, for becoming a patron of liberal Dan radio. Also Julie Swenson as well. The first liberal Dan radio producer level patron. So thank you very much, Julie. Uh, for uh, supporting the show as well. And also shouts out to Demonox, the first Liberal Dan Radio patron, uh, Angie from across the pond, my friend Cesar, and your boy Chris uh, for supporting the show as well. You too can support the show, Liberal Dan, or it's patreon.liberaldan.com or, liberal, or patreon.com slash liberaldan. Either way will get you there. Got a little muddled there at the beginning with my uh, forgetting to start the show uh, opener, opening music up, plus trying to do several different things. Shout out to Jolie, uh, the first moderator here at Liberal Day and Radio. Appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Um, I'll be looking for maybe a couple of uh, moderators or two, perhaps 
if, if you want to, you know, shoot me an email if you would like to uh, help out, liberalinradio at gmail.com. That would be cool as well. Um, anyway, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, I'd be remiss if we did not talk about uh, the Tulsa shooting that took place today. Again, another example of gun violence here in this country. Um, gun violence is an American national pastime. And uh, according to uh, first side saw with CNN, uh, at least four people were killed Wednesday in a shooting at a hospital campus in Tulsa. The gunman is also dead. Authorities believe the shooter's gun syndrome was self-inflicted. Um, there was a call received at about 4.52 local time. Um, I don't believe we know anything about the motivations or the reasonings, and I'm sure we'll be going into that, but it's just more senseless violence going on uh, in our country because we have a one political party in specific, specifically that refuses to take uh, the necessary steps needed to protect the citizens. And now it's not just children in schools that are a threat. We also have, oh yeah, people at churches who were, who were, who were attacked. We have people at hospitals that are being attacked. You could be attacked anywhere uh, by some gun toting wacko. And we're not doing what we need to do in order to make sure that we protect our citizens. And we have, again, one thing I always repeat to conservatives, every time a conservative states that they have a problem with, you know, regulation of guns because they like shall not be infringed. Um, well, a well-regulated militia and B, if you read the Heller uh, ruling that uh, Scalia ruled on, he wrote the opinion. He did confirm that the constitution, you know, protects the rights of arms, but he also said that we have, don't have an unlimited right to bear arms, that there are restrictions that can be placed that, that exist today and perhaps further ones as well uh, that can be put in place. And, you know, you can have the right to own a gun, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have the right to sell guns without making the government making sure that you're transferring guns from one person to another. We have, we, we, I think we should have a paper trail. We should have every, every time a gun is transferred ownership, be it a gift, be it a uh, family sale, be it a private sale, be it a sale at a gun show, or wherever you're at, whatever the whatever wherever you're at, and if you're giving a a gun, a rifle, whatever, a shotgun, pistol, handgun, whatever you want to call it, whatever whatever gun you're wanting to transfer from one person to another, be it for money or not, there should be a paper trail and there should be a required background check to make sure that the person who's getting the weapon is legally able to do so. And uh, if you don't, if we're not willing to do that, we're going to see a lot more problems. And we're going to go a little bit of that a little bit later as to why conservatives don't support that. And beyond just the whole, their, their stated ideas is that they, they believe, let me conservatives are going to reject, you know, the infringement of our freedoms or whatever, but, but you don't have the right to make other people sick. You don't have the right to shoot people who are not a threat to you. And you don't have the right to just, own any weapon you want. Like you can't have uh, a uh, A-10 Warthog with uh, nuclear depleted uranium tips on your shells that you get to fire. No, you don't get to have that. You know, the, the government can prevent you from having that. And that's not a violation of your second amendment rights. Um, but there's another reason it's because math is hard, but we'll, we'll be getting to the math is hard portion of the show later in the show. Uh, we got all the stuff. We got the, uh, if you would talk, if you listen to any, conservative talk radio before yesterday, uh, you would believe that Sussman, 
was, as the kids would say, sauce, and that he was definitely going to be uh, punished. He was definitely going to be uh, convicted of lying to the FBI. It was cut and dry. And Donald Trump even, I think, preemptively wrote to the, I think the, the one of the, I think it was the Washington Post. He preemptively wrote to the Washington Post, and he said, you know, uh, because of, of this, and because Hussman's going to be proven to be guilty of lying to the FBI, you should, you should take down whatever criticisms and retract whatever criticism you had of me. Well, uh, apparently, eh, nope, sorry, you're wrong. Uh, Sussman, what? Michael Sussman was found not guilty of making a false statement to the FBI. And even they even asked the FBI agents and they're like, no, <laughs> it was the, basically when the jury says that their time could have been spent doing other things, uh, basically that's the jury saying this was a ridiculous case. We had no reason we had no reason that we should be wasting our time on this case and that's it. So if the jury's telling you that it's probably a good, uh, probably a good mention. Oh, thank you, Jolie, Jolie. We all love liberal Dan. Let's see, Heine showed us good marketing by the NRA over many decades, built gun ownership to a cult mindset tied to anti-government. And that's true. And, and the whole nefarious thing about the NRA, in my opinion, is that they are not supportive of gun rights. They don't, they don't care about gun owners they, they they care about gun manufacturing they care about gun sales they want they want guns to be sold as quickly as possible to as many people as possible and they're going to enact policies that are going to make the you know make, make the make it so that it's easier for the manufacturers to do so but and in doing so and how do you and then how do you drive up demand for these guns well again you, you create the cult mentality you you make it seem like the other government's coming to get your guns, so you gotta gotta do like Pokemon and gotta catch them all. You gotta get every gun you can because government's gonna take them away otherwise. And you need to have you need to be armed to the teeth if you're gonna stand up to a tyrannical government. Good luck with that. I was I, you're not gonna stand up to a tank. You know F-16s are not gonna care that you have an AR-15. One letter, one number higher, it beats you. So. Missing Josie Jolie had been promoted. Yes, Jolie, the first moderator. Um, let's see. <laughs> John gave. Uh, I was actually going to ask Erin if she wanted to be a moderator as well, uh, uh, but email me first. I want to just talk about one thing. Let's see. Oob rumor. First time here with Liberal Dan. How said you will be gentle with me? Yes, I will be gentle. Je- definitely gentle for the first time. Anyway, so uh, that's Michael Sussman. He is, I guess, no longer sus, at least according to the government. Of course, conservatives are going to spout their conspiracy theories about everything when it comes to that. Let's see. Um, okay, do we want to do words of redneck wisdom yet? Let's do words of redneck wisdom. We'll, 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 we'll start off with that today. That'll be the bit we start off today. So here we go. And now, words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. And then a month and a half ago, Liberal Dan wanted to have some uh, vicious debate with me, and now he's riding the chain. He likes the cash money way. I love it. I mean, I've already sold another one. Why is that? Because I resonate. Ideas are beautiful. Marijuana? Marijuana's not as evil as everybody's made it out to be. It's been a massive manipulation. People have been making money on marijuana illegally for years. 
The federal government still says it's illegal, but in 39 states, boom, you can get it. And the problem with marijuana is it is not the flower growing out of the ground, the, the bud. It's all the other accessories they're selling in these marijuana stores. They have wax that you smoke, and it's like a real drug. I mean, it plasters the mind, and it's, it's like cocaine. It's like meth. Mm-hmm. It's like, and we don't need these alternatives. If you're going to sell marijuana in America, make it illegal, especially for uh, medical reasons, straight old good-looking bud. Right from the 70s, the 60s, the 50s, what we know, all this other manipulation where they can put chemicals in and kill you, the solution, if I get my way and we get to hear from all the people, all the opinions, then I get to put my opinion, not to you, not to Doug, but to everyone in America. Let's see what they all think at the same time. And I'd like to legalize it just like alcohol in all 50 states. Let no one invest. The people own that money. Sell it. Profitize on it. Take every single profit of marijuana and pay for medical, dental, vision, every U.S. citizen on a handprint, no deductible, for the rest of our lives. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Den Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. And there you go. The uh, caller goes by the name of Cash Money, and the morning show I, I listen to uh, for show prep, uh, just to give anybody who's listening who might not have heard Cash Money's previous statements on previous shows that I've played, uh, he wants to have some sort of grand thing where you can just poll every American at 9 o'clock in the morning and ask them a question, and then American people get to vote and have their say. And so basically, in kind of mocking him, I guess he didn't pick that up, I was like, you know what, maybe cash money is a thing, because if you, I said, if you put it to the American people and you ask the American people if they want universal background checks uh, and other forms of gun regulation, universal background checks is like 90% approval rating. 90% of the people in this country want universal background checks. 80% of gun owners want universal background checks. So there's, I mean... You know, so so if he, he wants his way, you know, I don't necessarily agree with him on, on I don't know who asked, who would run this site, who would be the one asking the questions, how do you pick which question to ask, which questions to not ask, how do you word the questions, because that's important. Um, but the funny thing is that, you know, I called him a socialist because the first idea was that he had was to seize Facebook. He wanted to seize Facebook from Zuckerberg lock him up in jail for whatever reason. And I guess because he's a traitor, I don't know. Um, but then use Facebook to be able to implement this sort of voting mechanism. And I was like, well, that's socialism. You're seizing the means of production uh, for the state. You, this is a socialist idea. And what he just stated right there, I have to say, I agree with him on this. Legalize marijuana in 50 states. Use the money that you generate. I would, just, I would be saying using the tax revenue, but he wants to go further. He wants to have the federal government be the ones producing the marijuana and selling the marijuana and profiting, putting all of the profits of, the, of marijuana. Then, and he wants to use that money to fund universal, universally available health care for every citizen in this country? Sure. I'm on board 100% with that one absolutely 100% on board with that. So uh, usually words of redneck wisdom are not, uh, are, are me, is me kind of mocking them and disagreeing with them, but no, here's an example of 
He's right. We should absolutely do that. I'm 100% on board with that. And it's just funny. You know, it's just funny that he, we wouldn't think it's socialism. And, and I'm not for socialism and everything, but I can, th- I can get on board that train, that train of uh, using marijuana sales to, to fund everybody's health care. I don't know if it would be possible. I don't know if there's enough people in this country who, who would smoke legal marijuana who would then buy it. I don't know if that would be enough to cover the entire health care bills without premiums, without deductibles, uh, without co-payments, 100%. But it's worth looking into. So, hey. It just goes to show that here at Liberal Day and Radio, I do like to work with people across the aisle on issues, and I'm willing to find common ground with people. So um, let's see. Talk about vaping. and That's why my doctors don't like smoking anything. They sort of agree that I can use THC vape cartridges. Uh, vape, at least cigarette, tobacco vaping is supposed to be bad. I mean, if you put the, listen to the commercials from the, the anti-smoking people, I think the truth, whatever, uh, whatever it's called, you, you have people who they'll say they put metal in your lungs by vaping. I don't know if vaping marijuana does the same thing. I think there, there's a local dispensary and I think you can get, it's not vaping, but it's an inhaler where you could just like a regular inhaler, like if you had asthma, except it's an inhaler for THC and you just ingest, I don't know if ingesting is the right word, but you just take in the, the THC that way and you're able to do it. Um, it's fine, and, and it works, and it doesn't, I guess, have the harmful effects that otherwise vaping might, but you know, there's also other ways. You can have you know, gummies with THC or other forms of edibles with THC that also is good, although if, you, if you're, if you're going to smoke marijuana and then get the munchies, is, are, you, or are you preventing the munchies by eating a THC gummy or a brownie or whatever? Uh, if you're having a pot brownie, does it relieve you of the munchies because you're, you've now eaten something good? Or are you going to get more munchies and eat more things? Because I don't need anything that's going to make me gain more weight. That's, that's for darn sure. <laughs> uh, let's see. No taxes, things, booze, and pot. We're not come close to covering the cost of healthcare. Canada is a good example of that not working for cost. I, mean, look, that's, I, I, I didn't think that it would. Um, but, hey, you could use it to help subsidize. That would be good. That would be, that would be a good thing. I, I, my, my, my idea typically has been uh, when it comes to um, legalizing marijuana, is that um, it could be used, if you legalize it nationwide and tax it, uh, you could use at least some of the taxes to help cover reparations uh, for people, um, both uh, who are a African descendants of slavery and or people who uh, can trace things to like, you know, the Tulsa massacre or other uh, examples of Jim Crow slavery, other examples of discrimination in this country that have caused people to, you know, be, have setbacks in their wealth generation in their families, thus putting them further back in the race, uh, the race that is called life, um, you know, and you could do that and also maybe perhaps help pay costs of, uh, for reparations on people who are serving in prison terms just for marijuana possession, giving them compensation back so they could get back with their life. And maybe even allowing people who did that, you know, to have marijuana dispensaries themselves. If you're going to make it private and not public, um, let's see. Problem in Canada is the government-regulated pot is extremely weak compared to what is out and open in the non-government market. That's that's probably a reason why many people would will, will, will go buy the other stuff. Um, which I guess, if, if you're going to be smart for the in the government-regulated market, you need to make sure that your stuff is the best stuff, not the worst stuff. They used to they used to say good enough for government work. 
used to be a say, saying that people would say to show that it was high quality, that there's work, and then there's government work. Yeah. Work's here, government work's up here. So if you say something is good enough for government work, it's top-notch, A-prime, A-plus work, great job. Now good enough for government work means, eh, it's enough. It'll, it'll get by. You get a C, that sort of thing. Anyway, let's let's go ahead and take a quick first uh, commercial break. I can take a couple more sips of drink, um, wet the whistle, so to speak. Not that way, just water. Uh, take your calls as well, 914-803-4131. Uh, that's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Band Radio. Talk to the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the liberal band radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok. And you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Demonox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2 where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdemonox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast.
Global Brand Radio's Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It's 914-803-4131. It's 914-803-4131. Jolie said in the chat, one of the best ways you can support the show is becoming a Liberal Dan Radio patron, uh, patreon.com slash liberaldan. Um, if you go to liberaldan.com, if you're, a lib- if you're a Patreon producer, one of the things you get is there's a scrolling bar on the on the side on the top of the widgets or right at, at towards the top of the widgets, and you get to see your name scrolling there as, as the liberal Dan producers at the producer level. That's the ten dollars a month. Um, I've basically said at this point uh, still uh, there's if you saw previous weeks there's the black liberal Dan radio shirt with the gold lettering. Uh, those uh, individuals think the ones with the OGs are cut off, but I'm still going to be doing those black shirts. Um, for anybody who is, who's, who gets in at at least the $5 level uh, as a Liberal Den Radio patron and, and who does a patron level for that, that patron level for a year. If you do it for a year, you'll, you'll get a T-shirt as an added bonus on top of um, all the other, any other bonuses that you might get with that, including shout out and stuff like that. And if you have anything else, if you're a patron and you want anything else specifically shout out, uh, just let me know and, I, and, I'll, and I'll make that part of my shout out towards you as well. Uh, typically, you get a shout out um, once a month. Uh, however, I usually shout out. At this point, I'm shouting out every episode. I haven't done a, a mini cast, so if, if you're basically a shout out on the podcast, is, is I consider it to be a, a um, upgrade from a shout out for the mini cast. So that's why I, I, I tend to do most of them here now. Anyway, so there's that. Um, so we got the end of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial took place um and that's that's definitely interesting that you know what happened and you have you know, johnny depp who who seems to at least at a civil level uh be vindicated because you know i think his attorneys did a very good job and her attorneys were terrible from what i think i didn't watch and follow the entire thing uh, i i watched bits and pieces i saw lots of clips on showing on Facebook and YouTube and TikTok or whatever, you know, people like making clips about, you know, how silly Amber Heard's lawyers were and Johnny Depp laughing and the rest of the legal team laughing at them or Amber or Johnny Depp's uh, legal team just owning the witnesses. Um, but, there, you know, there's a very important thing. And like I, I responded to uh, uh, Orange Foolish Jr.'s, uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s, uh, one of his tweets where he was like, you know, oh, this guess, guess you can't, sh- just believe all women. Guess you can't do that, huh? Feminists are wrong. Blah blah blah. I'm like, no. The, the point of the, the you know, we've talked about this on the show last week a little bit when it comes to how imperfect uh, labels and slogans can be. Um, the idea of believe all women is really and really it's believe victims. Is believe victims got, allow them to come forward, give them the benefit of the doubt, let them come forward, let them have their say, and don't judge them for coming forward and having their say. Now, are there going to be people who eventually, when their stories come out, you're going to come out and say, oh, you know what? Uh, no, we, we don't believe that story anymore. That story has, has too many holes in it. That story is not believable, and therefore, that, that's, not a, that's not a contradiction of, quote, believe all women. Uh, it's a contradiction. It, it, it just shows that you, you, we, we took the time. We listened to the individual. We let them have their say. And as they had their say, they buried, they dug their own hole. Look. I understand that there are people who will listen to Amber Heard's story and be like, and, and really believe her. I understand there are people who are listening to Amber Heard's stories and are like, this person is a lying gaslighter. And there are a person who, there are a lot of people in society who, unfortunately, um, uh, Demonox, 
the uh, first little in Patreon, his uh, significant other, um, Sadie, uh, she uh, she sometimes comes in the chat, and uh, she made a very very good point on, on Facebook, which is that too often men who are victims of domestic abuse get kind of shoveled under the rug or get swept under the rug. You don't you don't you know you don't you don't often allow men to have the opportunity to be heard, have their say. Men are supposedly supposed to be stronger, and that's all part of you know that toxic masculinity, the, the idea that men can't be abused, the idea that men can't be gaslit, men that can't be hurt physically, that men can't be hurt you know, emotionally, that, that, men, that men are supposed to be show up with this tough, rugged exterior and, and not show their, their um, insides, not the right word for it, but not, not show their feelings, not be in touch with their feelings. And that is uh, something that needs to change in society. Um, you know, sometimes people are very hesitant to come forward about, you know, current abuse or past abuse simply because of the fact that they're, they feel that they're going to be judged harshly simply because they're a man who is admitting weakness. And uh, a lot of times that this, this fake machismo, uh, you know, the I'm an alpha man type fro- folks, I was seeing one, um, I did last week, I did a video, um, or maybe a couple weeks ago, I did a video where I did a response to Steven Crowder and his, uh, his interview with people on the street when it came to the uh, leaked Alito ruling. And he has another video out there that I saw that's like, who are the, quote, beta males who, who support Beto? And I'm like, uh, you know, you don't have to be a beta male. There's no such thing as an alpha male or a beta male. That, that's, that whole idea is toxic. Uh, but even if you did believe in the idea of being an alpha male, uh, to, to paraphrase Game of Thrones, no true alpha male would ever have to say that they're an alpha male. So if you're running around saying, be alpha male, uh, uh, you're not. You're really not. You're probably a Zeta, if anything. Or, I don't know, Zeta's probably not the, not the best letter to use. But let's see. Oh, the crying. Yeah, people are talking about crying on Amber Heard on the stand. Uh, yeah, that was that was it was definitely interesting. And and in my opinion was, you know, when when you heard the audio of her saying, you know, a, you know, I didn't beat you, I slapped you, or I didn't hit, I didn't punch you, I hit you, or however she worded that it was like it wasn't like she didn't close fist her, but she opened fist. Like, why would you like the idea that she thought that that was okay? That that was one of the things that just made me side, you know, be Team Johnny Depp. Is and then look, both individuals clearly have some toxic things that they need to work out in their own lives. I'm not going to say that Johnny Depp is the perfect person or that he's never done anything abusive, um, but in this particular case, she didn't prove her case against him specifically. I'll get into that in a second, but he proved her, his case against her. The other thing that also made me go, you know, Team Depp was simply with the fact that I think she she basically I don't, again I don't remember the exact words, but it was basically. Who is going to believe you? Go, yeah, tell them that you were, you were, you were abused, and, and, and they're not going to believe you. Again, perpetuating this idea that men can't be abused, and if Johnny Depp goes and tells people that, he, that she abused him, that everyone's going to laugh in his face. And I think people initially did until it came out that these, until this audio came out. It, it's, it's sad that, you have to, that he has felt that he in this relationship, and how much stuff did we not hear? Like, he got to a point in that relationship where he felt that he had to record 
almost every single conversation or fight that they had because he felt that at that point, you know, he was going to need that to defend himself somehow. And he was smart for doing it, but how bad do you have to be where you have to, where you're sitting there taking like a screenshots of messages or, or, or recording, you know, conversations just to be able to someday say, if this person ever comes at me, that I'm going to have this defense. And that's, that's, that's pretty sad that it got to that position, but the her dang, gay, saying that, you know, you know, she, no one would believe him that they'll believe her that they would side with her, uh, you know, when it came to her abuse and that she didn't just, she didn't punch him. She hit him or slapped him, whatever she said and that those are the things that, that made me like, you know what? She deserves to be punished for this because those are just brutal words that anybody who had been the victim of abuse probably cringed at that at the idea and knew all too well how that felt. I did mention Beto for a second in there. Uh, I did want to bring up, let's go ahead and play this week's uh, Hypocrite of the Week. So, here we go. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is co-founder of Women for Trump and chair of America First Women, Amy Kremer, who doesn't like the name Beto. She says that his name is not Beto, it's Robert Francis O'Rourke. It took me all of five seconds to find a tweet by her referring to Raphael Edward Cruz as Ted. How about this? Simply call people what they want to be called and leave it at that. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Band Radio, Talk From The Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberalband. And there you go. Yeah, this the people. If she even went even, if you go to my Twitter account, you'll see the tweet. Uh, she even, it's, it's Robert, you know, Francis O'Rourke. Uh, he's Irish. His name's not Beto. And I was like, all right. His name is Raphael Edward Cruz. He's Canadian. He's also part Irish. Uh, his name's not Ted. Or better yet, how about we just, you know, let people be called what they want to be called. But it, this is also a, a thing with a lot of times with conservatives or where, where, you know, and not just on, you know, whatever name you want to use politically, you know, but hypocritically. I think, I think one time Ted Cruz was critical of Beto for, not using his real name. And when he did that, I think Ted Cruz that week was hypocrite of the week that week because, wow, imagine somebody being called Ted Cruz saying to somebody, you're not using your real name. And w- there was a situation that where back years back, at least six or seven, maybe more years, years ago, when we uh, in Louisiana had Governor Bobby Jindal as our governor. Uh, Bobby Jindal was not his real name. His real name was Piyush Jindal, but, you know, he went by Bobby. So I'm going to call him Bobby because that's what he wants to be called. And there were people who were on my side of the aisle, more liberal minded, progressive types who would call him Piyush. And, and I was like, and, and the people who just said just Piyush and just said it plainly, you know, that, that, that's one thing. And I would be like, you know what? I disagree with Bobby Jindal on a lot of things, but you don't have to call him by that name. He wants to be called Bobby call him Bobby. But then there are the other people who would be like Piyush, like not like P.U., but like mocking of his name and mocking of the foreign sounding name, more the foreign sounding, you know, sounding name that he had. It's, you know, I was like, look, we're, we're supposed to be above that. We're not supposed to be the people who are, you know, mocking the people because of their ethnicity. So let's just not do that, shall we? But it goes even further than that. I mean, the, the, the refusal to use somebody's preferred name also goes against, like, you know, the same, 
same people will probably also reject using people's pronouns, the pronouns that they use for themselves. Uh, they probably would be more than likely to call a trans person their dead name. You know, dead name anybody and just call them what they want to be called. It, it should be as simple and as easy as that. Um, I'm probably just going to skip the second commercial break and just go right into the next topic, though. Um, so next topic. Um, and, and when I take commercial breaks, it's really only at this point to advertise either projects that I'm working on or friends' projects that they're working on. So like the Percy Podcast, at the Percy Podcast on Twitter. Um, the, I'm sorry, the smooth sounds of the Percy Podcast. Uh, when, uh, you know, I, I, I play Demonox, he doesn't pay me for that. I just do him a favor, do him a solid and advertise his uh, podcast. As well, even though both of them have been lacking and I need to smack them across the head for not getting on a podcast. I'm going to keep picking on them, but I think, I think Demonox is close. I think he's very close to doing that. Uh, let's see. Kinky Streets. Hey, Kinky Streets. Welcome back to the chat. I don't think I said hi to Wes. Hi, Wes. Hi, hi in the shadows. Um, that's the teacher's motto. Wes says, call the kid what he wants to be called unless the parent objects. And in that case, even, that, even in that case, I mean, you might have a situation where a kid says, look, I really want to be called this. And maybe the parents just are being too tough on the kid or not understanding of what the kid's needs are. Sometimes the name just doesn't feel right and call the kid what the kid wants to be called, I would say. Um, or to, to, uh, to, uh, coming to America, uh, when they were discussing Cassius Clay versus Muhammad Ali and you had the old Jewish man played by Eddie Murphy. If a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali, then God damn it. He should be called Muhammad Ali. That's my position on it. <laughs> Let's see. Aaron West, who said gender pronouns is sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever said that. I'm kind of miss, I missed whoever said that, but yes, you're right. Gender slash pronouns, not their sexuality. Uh, gender is one thing. Sexuality is another. Uh, you can be a trans man and still be heterosexual or pansexual or bisexual or what have you. And this is the beginning of Pride Month. So, um, and just remember, everyone needs to remember that Pride isn't about uh, special logos and corporate Pride watching of, of their stuff. Like I saw some, uh, Disney's pretty good when it comes to uh, supporting LGBTQA uh, issues, you know, getting gay days in Louisiana, or not Louisiana, in Disney World is soon. Uh, but, you know, still, the corporate pride washing, or whatever you want to call it, uh, is, is not what pride's all about. It started with a riot. It started with a riot in New York City. So people should, uh, people should remember that pride started off as a riot. See, Wes Webb, who needs to know that when you first meet them? I mean, when I, I try and introduce myself, and I, I could be better about it, but it, I think it's for people who, like me, you know, if, if I introduce myself, I'll say, look, my pronouns are he, him. And if I share my pronouns, I let the other people know that I'm understanding that should be sharing their pronouns with me if they feel comfortable doing so. And as such, they might be more comfortable to let me know what their pronouns might be. Uh, if they're, if, and, and maybe, I'm, maybe I might assume that there's something uh, other than what they appear to be. But even then, just, you know, sharing your own, we should normalize the sharing of pronouns. And I think the responsibility is on cisgendered folks to do, cisgender folks to do just that. Um, now, I had another thought that I was going to say. Um, 
Let's see, what's, who, who, because it's identity, yes, exactly right. It's their identity, so therefore you should, you should treat them as, as if uh, that is their identity, because that is their identity. You should re be respectful of how people want to be referred to or by. Um, oh, the thing I want to talk about is like uh, when I was used to, when I was writing in college, like writing assignments in college, for some reason, I don't know why I had this, because it wasn't really something that was really taught, or at least to me, uh, was I would always try and make whatever I wrote as gender neutral as possible. Like if I was specifically writing about somebody who was a guy, clearly I was talking about a guy, I was specifically talking about somebody who was, was a girl, you know, let's call them she, whatever. In, in whatever I was writing. But if I was writing a general, making general arguments about general people, but like talking about an individ, a general individual person, I'd always force myself to use they or them just to be gender nonspecific when talking about a general unknown person. And I think doing that in college helped me, at least now, to be able to just be like, okay, referring to people as they or them is, is kind of normal. And sometimes if I don't know, what an individual's pronouns might be, I might default to referring to them as them as they them. Why? Uh, because it, 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 you, you risk, you don't risk uh, misgendering them because you're referring to them, generally speaking. Now, if, if you refer to them as they, and then they say my pronouns are she, her, then at that point, refer to that person as she, her. Otherwise, they, them could still be misgendering. Um, but hey, Robert Douglas, how's it going? Um, I'm trying to remember if Robert Douglas is the other name for Daily News or not. Um, yeah, you're Daily News, <laughs> or you're bringing a boy because you're typing in all caps, and that's that's what you do. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that username on here. Anyway, um, again, again, if you're, if you're watching right now, we have 14 concurrent viewers and 14 likes, but we've had 31 views so far. So if you're viewing it and haven't liked it so far, go ahead and give it a like. It helps the algorithms. And if you have not subscribed yet, so please subscribe to the channel as well. Because if you can't support the show via the Patreon, the best thing you can do is to subscribe to the channel to help bring this up. Because once I get to 1,000 subscribers, I'm going to get monetized because I'm having enough views to where it's going to – I think I'm having about 1,000 hours of views a month now. Um, and because I'm getting 1,000 hours of views a month now, um, once I get to 1,000, I get to monetize. And I get all those other fun things that come with monetization, like the ability to super chat in a chat. And like today I was watching the uh, crime and long crime channel on YouTube. Um, and I wouldn't think that this would be something that would need to be supported. Like, I don't understand why people just, they were constantly just giving money to the long crime channel. Just like, Hey, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And I'm like, really? The long crime channel needs that much help. Somebody donated or, or super chatted without any words, $2,288. Just, just, there you go. Here you go, Long Pride Network, $2,288. I saw that. I was like, man, I really need to get to 1000 because I, I want that to happen to me one day. I would love to be, able to be in a chat one day and just randomly get $2,288 of a super chat. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Um, also want to give a shout out to, I, I was a little mad listening to Hal Sparks' show today, you know, because he came up with this t-shirt idea and it's just an N and an F t-shirt. So it's an NFT. And I was so mad because I didn't think of it first. I was so mad I didn't think of that first because that's just dad joke to the extreme. I mean, that's just amazing. And 
I would buy it, but I'm too fat for they don't have my size on that website that he's selling them on. But yeah, NFT, NFT. So after you support the Patreon here and after you support Hal, wherever you support Hal, um, yeah, you can then go to uh, buy one of his NFTs. Um, let's see. Demodox. Hey, Demodox. Driving all the way back to work. Can't talk, but listening. Thank you for joining us, Demodox, the first Legal Dan Radio patron. Um, so anyway, we're 45 minutes of the show, and I haven't gotten to why math is hard. Because uh, obviously, we, we like to go on tangents here at Liberal Dan Radio. We go wherever the conversation tends to take us. Um, where the wind blows. Anywhere the wind blows doesn't really matter to me. So, and some of this is going to be a criticism of some ultra extremist progressives. Um, some of this is going to be a criticism of them, and we'll get around to that because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, I, I thought about bringing the show up because I had, I was arguing with a bunch of progressives on Twitter this past week about, you know, voting and voting blue, no matter who, and the 2022 elections and why it's important to, to get out and vote for Democrats and everything like that. And you have these people who, one of them I'm convinced is just a Russian bot, but uh, these people will be like, math is just not their friend. They don't like math. They don't understand. Um, Let's see. A lot of times they want to use, when they're talking about like gun control, they'll always bring up like the Democrat cities, especially Chicago. They hate, they love to bring up Chicago because Chicago is the, the murder capital of the world because they don't understand rates. These people who make that argument don't understand rates. They, they only understand whole numbers, and they don't. They, they can't see gray areas when it comes to, comes to those things. So I should have brought this up before the show, but um, uh, murder rates, U.S. cities. Go to your highest murder rates in U.S., the most deadly serious city. So if you were to listen to conservatives when you, when you talk about how it, Chicago is the deadliest city in the country, you would think that Chicago would be number one on the list of the most deadliest cities in the country. Nope, that's St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri has 65.4 murders. Per 100,000 residents. So you are more like, most likely per capita to be murdered if you are in St. Louis, Missouri, as they might say. My hometown, Baltimore, Maryland, is number two, uh, 58.27 per 100,000. So you, you, you used to have the slogan in Baltimore, Baltimore, the city that reads. And then somebody changed it to Baltimore, the city that bleeds. Because, yep, Baltimore is a deadly city. Third, Birmingham, Alabama. Fourth, Detroit, Michigan. So, I mean, it's up there. 40, 41.5, 41.45 per 100,000 residents. So, you've already dropped a good bunch from the top. Um, five, Dayton, Ohio. Six, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Seven, New Orleans, Louisiana, my current city. Uh, so, I went uh, statewide, at a statewide level per capita. Like, I think Maryland had the second highest and Louisiana had the first so I was like, I, had, I upgraded when I went from high school to college. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri, number eight. Memphis, Tennessee, nine. Do you see where I'm going with this? Cleveland, Ohio, wraps up the top ten. Chicago 
the, what the city that conservatives like to use when talking about deadly cities and murders and cities is not even in the top 10. Richmond, Miami Gardens, Florida, Washington, D.C., North Charleston, South Carolina, Peoria, Illinois, Philly, Columbia, South Carolina, San Bernardino, Cincinnati, Columbus, Georgia, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Hotlanta, Georgia, Indianapolis, Little Rock, Arkansas, Shreveport, Louisiana, Montgomery, Alabama, Buffalo, New York, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago is the 28th. This city that they want to use as an example, 18.26 per 100,000 people compared to the number one city, which was 64. 18 times 2 is 36. Uh, times 2 again is 74. So just on maybe three and a half, you're three and a half times more likely to be murdered in St. Louis than you are to be murdered in Chicago. But they always want to talk about Chicago because they hate Chicago, because it's it's an easy target. Why is it an easy target? Well, there are a lot of gun crimes there, sure, the sheer number of them. Again, they don't understand rates. But one of the problems is that if you don't have a nationwide constant gun regulation that's consistent across all 50 states, then you're going to have issues. No, you have state by states have different regulations and even cities have different regulations. So Chicago itself has tough gun regulations, but there's a gun store that's like right outside the border of Chicago, Illinois. And that's where they've traced a lot of guns to that gun store. That's right outside. Those guns were used in crime. So people are just going to that gun store, buying a gun, and then going into the city and committing a crime. Why? Because they can. Because the state of Illinois doesn't have a uniform gun law that, that's similar to Chicago, and the United States doesn't have one either. And there's other ones from Indiana. There's also, I think, another place from Indiana that also has been traced back to a bunch of other crimes that took place in Chicago. Why? Because they can. Because they go and they cross the state lines and they buy the guns and they bring them back. And there you go. So if we had, and some of these might be like straw purses and some of this, but if you had a, if you had a uh, paper trail for every gun, so if I went and did a straw purchase for somebody, if I went ahead and said, okay, well, I'm going to go buy this gun, and I'm going to give it to this other person because I'm really buying it for that other person. Then another person takes the gun and uses the gun, and I don't let everybody know, hey, I've transferred this gun to this person, then I, could, I should be able to get in trouble because I gave the gun to somebody else who was – the person is not supposed to get that gun. That's the thing. Like people say, conservatives will say, well, you should be able to transfer guns between private individuals. No, because if I go buy a gun at a store and I go past the background, even if I pass the background check, if I don't have to give the recipient of my gift of a gun to somebody else, and if they don't pass that background check, guess what? The background check was useless because this other person got it. So in order for me to be able to give somebody else a gun, I should be required to obtain a background check to make sure that that person can legally have a gun. So, Jolie, I live in Indiana. They just relax gun laws. Even more goes into effect this month. Lovely. Of course, then you have Texas that wants to be the Wild West. That's everybody. You don't need a permit to have a gun now. Um, but, again, this, this, is, this isn't the only time or area where, where conservatives don't understand. Many conservatives don't understand the concept of rates. Like... Masks. The same people that say gun regulations don't work are the same people that say masks don't work because they don't understand rates. They don't understand how 
um, how you can, well, wearing a mask made it less likely that you would spread it. Makes sense. But you could still die if you're vaccinated. Yeah, you could still die of COVID if you're vaccinated. But you're less likely to, and you're less likely to go to the hospital. If you go to the hospital, you're less likely to have a severe disease. You're less likely to transmit it because you're less likely to be sick as long because you got vaccinated. And if you wear a mask, you're less likely to transmit it to other people. Could you still transmit it to other people? Sure. But you're less likely to. And this is why math is hard for them because they don't understand the concept of rights. It's either yes or no, do or don't. I had a conversation during the pandemic with somebody on Facebook, I'm sure, and the individual was like, it's just like if you're trying to compare wearing a mask to driving a car. Well, if you go out and drive a car, you know, it's a 50, it's a, it's a coin flip whether or not you get into an accident or not. I'm like, what? You believe, yeah, she's like, it's a 50-50 shot. You do or you don't. So it's 50-50. And I'm like, I really want to play poker with you. I would love to play poker with you. Oh, this hand could win or could not. It's a 50-50 shot. I'm going all in on seven-deuce offsuit. Please let me play poker with these people. Well, the reason I didn't want to play poker with those people then was because the coronavirus was going around. We had COVID. I didn't want to catch COVID from them because if you hang out with them, you're probably more likely to get COVID. That's why in conservative areas and red counties, you saw like five times the death rate uh, of covid in conservative counties than non-conservative counties. Um, hey, Bill P., how's it going? Thank you for joining us. Uh, Robert Douglas, what common sense gun law would you propose to prevent school shootings? I mean, there, there's, a, there's a combination of common sense gun laws. I think there needs to be waiting periods. Why? You don't need to have a gun tomorrow. You don't need, if, if anybody's like, I need a gun now, that should be concerning. Why do you need a gun now? And some of the government's business why do one now? Well, okay, but th- these are the same people that'll you know who who don't agree with that who'll be like, well, women should have a, or people who were getting an abortion should have a forty-eight hour waiting period before they get an abortion. I guarantee you, the people who are getting the abortion have thought about it for more than forty-eight hours before going into the clinic. But fine, you know, I, I don't agree with the forty-eight hour waiting period. But if y'all going to say that people getting an abortion should have a forty-eight hour waiting period. And you should understand why you should also have maybe have a 48 hour, 72 hour waiting period in order to buy a gun. So if, if, if we would have had that, we might not have had the shooting in Texas. I don't know. We don't know what happened in the circumstances under the shooting that took place in Tulsa. Um, if we had a, if we had background checks and, and red flag laws, the Buffalo shooting might not have happened. It might have. And again, and this is the conservative arguments typically is you're not going to catch everybody. And if you're not going to catch everybody, why implement it at all? But you might catch most people. You might reduce the amount of instances where this takes place. And I'm not sitting here saying that we should go seize everybody's guns. It's not possible to do that. It's something that, that it likely can't be done. We can't seize all the guns of everybody. And I don't, I don't even, that's not something that I even would even want to do or suggest to do. Because again, I will, I will I'll tell you, I've said this in gun conversations before, law-abiding citizens don't commit gun crimes. But law-abiding citizens follow the law and will continue to follow the law if added steps are placed in there in order for them to obtain any new weaponry. But if you're going to make it harder by putting in universal background checks, 
including on any gun transfer, even private transfers, even non-sales, even gifts. Background checks on any gun transfer from one person to another. Put a paper trail in to make sure that the people – maybe require uh, insurance for people who own guns. That's another one that's been brought up. Um, put in uh, mandatory 72-hour waiting periods. Uh, maybe put a restriction – maybe maybe set off red flags if somebody's going to start buying. We have red flags in this country if you buy too much um, Sudafed. You go to a drugstore and you buy more than three boxes of Sudafed – sirens go off and people are alerted to the fact that you might be a meth dealer or at least a meth manufacturer but you you can go in and buy a thousand rounds of ammunition and no warning flags are, are no warning flags are uh, are put out there no that that should be a red flag in and of itself that why do you need a thousand rounds of ammunition now for these two guns that you're buying now where are you go what you know i don't I'm, I'm not saying we should force people to tell them where they're going with it Maybe if that happens, maybe something should pop up and be like, you know what? Wait 72 hours, and then we're going to maybe maybe trigger some sort of extended background check or something. Maybe some investigation might have to be done. In Canada, what you have to do is you have to get two people to sign off on it. Two people have to sign off on you having a gun. And, and you have to think yes, that anybody who uh, you might have conjugal relationships with may also have to sign off on it. So basically saying, no, this person's not abusive. And I'm not saying we go that far because if, if you know, my, if, to say that somebody's ex should be responsible for allowing anybody to go buy a gun, I mean, that's a little bit too much power for an ex to have, unless there's documented abuse. If there's documented abuse, then, then that should pop up in the background check, and then you should no longer be able to buy a gun if you're a potential abuser. Uh, Demonox also, I don't know if Demonox said they should require gun insurance, um, but at the same time before or after. Um, but again, brilliant minds think alike. But look, Robert Douglas, how would that have stopped Parkland or Sandy? Again, you're going to find, if I list one way, one gun regulation, if I said this is one gun regulation I think I have, and then conservatives will be like, that's not going to stop this shooting. That's not going to stop that shooting. That's not going to, like, they'll point out, well, it wouldn't have worked here, but it might have worked in other places. And if you have a combination, a nice, a nice overlapping of regulations that still allow law-abiding citizens to own rifles, to own handguns, to own shotguns or whatever, still allows them to own these weapons, but they just have to take several other steps to make sure that they're doing it in a reasonably safe and responsible way. The people who shouldn't be getting the weapons shouldn't be going to their own hands, should be going to the wrong hands. You're reducing the amount because i mean you're proving my point robert douglas bringing boy uh you're proving my point that you know but, but when i say that you're not understanding rates because you're reducing the likelihood of a bad thing happening just you're not eliminating it you'll never eliminate it there's always going to be bad actors now other countries have significantly reduced or don't even see this problem because there's no, you don't have the large amount of people with gun fetishes in this country uh, that you do have in you know, those countries that you have here. There are some people who are some gunophiles. I mean, you are just opening up the Smith and, Ma- Smith and Wesson magazine going, oh, yeah, look at the barrel on that. You know, I'm getting all creepy over your guns a little bit. They're picking their magazines on clips. We have to be precise when we confront the loons out there. Yeah, I do agree that we have to be precise. 
Uh, oh, Julie's in chat. Hi, Julie. Thank you for being a Liberal End Radio patron. And I'm the first Liberal End Radio producer. I appreciate you a lot um, for doing that. I, your name is now scrolling on liberaldan.com. Um, Israel is an armed democracy, but you still must obtain a mental health green light from your doctor. Also, in Israel, you have, like, forced military service as well. So everybody who is physically capable of doing so serves in the, in the army, serves in, 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 in their militia. So they're properly trained. There was a Twitter user where, it's like, where people were saying that you should make the age that you can own one of these AR-15s, move it up from 18 to 21. Apparently, you can't own a handgun in Texas unless you're 21, but you can get an AR-15 and 18. That's kind of ridiculous. But, the, but this army person on Twitter was like, hey, I'm in the army. Uh, I'm 18. I have a gun. I'm like, but yes, you're in the military. You have likely been trained on things like how to properly use your weapon, how to properly store your weapon, how to make track, keep track of your ammunition, um, forced escalation measures, ways that you can uh, make sure uh, that you do not escalate forces to deadly force unless you're legally allowed to do so. Um, speaking of which, not that that's, I mean, that was one of the things that I've talked about were, with Kyle Rittenhouse. Where Kyle Rittenhouse didn't have that training, and he was he, he, he adults failed him. Uh, he's still a criminal in my mind. He still should have been convicted. But there were adults around there that failed him because they put him in a situation that was very explosive without the proper training and a deadly weapon, a very deadly weapon at that. So, but one of the people who I debated that issue with uh, a user on V Radio here on on YouTube uh, is somebody who, who I've had you know conversations with about other issues, and I'm I'm 99.7 percent sure that tomorrow I'm going to do another one of my live reactions. I'm, not, I'm going to watch one of his videos, uh, and I'm going to be doing a live reaction to that video, probably around 8:30 ish. So again, if you want to join me tomorrow, I'm just letting you know right now before anybody leaves the, the chat. Tomorrow evening, 8 o'clock, 8.30-ish. Again, if Hal Sparks is running after that, I'll probably start after Hal stops. Um, but I'll probably do another one of those live reactions again tomorrow as well with one of his videos. Uh, so there's so, so if you want to join me again tomorrow, there's that. I'm not ending the show now, but if you want to join me tomorrow, there's that as well. Uh, one, one of the other ways that uh, math is hard. How is math hard to some conservatives? Bringing boy says, or Robert Douglas, last week you said military personnel are too dangerous to have as policemen. Now you say military can't have guns. When did I say that? I don't ever remember saying that military personnel are too dangerous to have as policemen. There must have been some context. Oh, no, how tomorrow? Well, maybe I'll start earlier then. I don't know. Um, maybe it might be closer to eight then. We'll see. Uh, so we will definitely see about, but it's tomorrow evening. Uh, if you subscribe here, you'll get notifi- get notifications. You'll get notifications of when I start. Um, but look look for it tomorrow. I'll, I'll be doing that. It'll be another. Uh, he's an interesting guy in that he he believed Kyle Rittenhouse to be innocent, and he doesn't like the so-called woke mob or whatever. But he also like was part of Occupy Wall Street. Like he he he. I think he also supported Bernie Sanders in 2016. So I don't know how you get from Sanders to, I don't know if he's, I don't think he still supports Trump. I don't think he supports Trump at all, but he's very conservative on certain issues, even though he doesn't claim to be conservative. So um, 
Let's see. Stand should be 100% illegal, completely and utterly all AR-15 should be immediately confiscated. They were sold to us by corporate entity that wanted to make money off of us instead of military, I guess, contractors. I don't know if that's what Demodox said. I think there's some voice text errors there. Um, many of us have been about armed guards in schools. A lot of us were talking about that last week. Yeah, I know that. I just don't, I just don't remember ever saying that military personnel are too dangerous to have as police. I, I might have made a comment about something, but I don't think it was that. I think you might have misheard me when it comes to that. Uh, we're going to get back, you know, one of the other things, why math is hard. And this, I think another example with conservatives uh, is math is hard uh, because when they're running, I think Trump in 2016 was claiming that uh, Barack Obama had allowed us to, uh, Barack Obama had allowed us to not, um, to have, to no longer have the largest Navy in the world. That's right. According to the conservatives, uh, we don't have the largest Navy in the world anymore. And therefore, um, we, we have failed. And the moment I heard this criticism of Obama, I was like, math is wrong. The math is wrong. Their, their math is wrong. Or their, their thinking about it is wrong. I guess I should say, because here, here's what they're saying. They're, they're basically saying that the Chinese Navy has the same number of ships as the U.S. Navy has. Okay, so that doesn't mean that the Chinese Navy is as powerful as the U.S. Navy. It means that the, there's, the, there's, there's one ship in the water and there's two ships in the water, and, and they're treating those ships as the same. This one could be a little tiny little gunboat compared to an aircraft carrier. According to that, those people, little gunboat, aircraft carrier counts the same to them. Again, it's a level of scale, scale, the, the, the amount of damage that that little itty-bitty gunboat can do pales in comparison to what the aircraft carrier can do, especially fully loaded out with all of its airplanes, especially fully loaded out with all of the guns, all of the ships that are around it. Now, you know, and one of my friends who was in the military used to say, I believe you probably said that the militarization of the police is bad and our police forces should have been like, that's probably something that I, I probably did say something like we don't need to militarize our police. That doesn't mean that we don't need to have military people in our police forces. That We have a lot of people who served in the military, who then go join law enforcement. It, it's, a, it's a logical step to go from one to the other. Uh, I'm not going to make any value or, or ethical or moral judgments about that, um, but I know people who served in the military, went to police, and I trust them because I know them, and so there's that. I wouldn't say that. Uh, no, be, be, serving in the military shouldn't disqualify you from being a police officer. Now, you might have to have different sort of trainings, but I think people who serve in the military may very well be more likely to understand the force escalation ladder and may be more likely to understand that, you know, you can't just pull out a gun and fire at somebody just because they're resisting arrest. So, no, I would say the opposite. It's more likely that it's probably better for military people to be policemen simply because of the fact that they understand force escalation techniques. If that point. Now, there might be other points where we say uh, you, you shouldn't be treating people domestically 
as if you're treating them as hostiles in, in, in another country. That's also a valid point to make that you have to understand that there's – so if you're going to become a police officer, you, even if you're military, there still should be some training there. But I wouldn't say military folks should not be policemen, and I, I don't think I ever have. So you must have misheard me. Um, so this article from Forbes, back to the Chinese Navy, uh, it goes, yes, the Chinese Navy has more ships, uh, but it's got far fewer missiles. Um, so China now possesses the big, biggest Navy in the world by number of hulls. Uh, U.S. Defense Department confirmed in its recent report on Beijing's armed forces. Uh, but as they say, and as I was like, duh, it's not the metric that matters. The number of ships you have in the water the, the, is not the important thing. It's what those ships are. Uh, a warship is only the power of its weaponry. Uh, it's popular criticism of the Royal Navy, for instance, it's focused on relatively anemic missile loadouts of the British fleet, otherwise big high-tech vessels. Uh, comparing the offensive, offensive missile cap- capacities of U.S. and Chinese fleets is illustrative. The People's Liberation Army Navy has 355 frontline warships, at least as large as a Corvette, and more than 400 if you count small missile boats. Uh, U.S. Navy has just 305 frontline ships. American ships pack more than twice as many offensive missiles, and that's not even counting the missiles in the U.S. fleet's carrier air wings could bring to bear. The disparity makes sense. Uh, 4.5 million tons, the U.S. fleet displaces more than twice as much as the Chinese fleet does, assuming reasonable weapons loads, tonnage is rough and analog of whatever capacity. So just because they have more ships, it doesn't mean that they have a stronger Navy. We can have a much stronger, we have a much stronger Navy. According to some of those military friends that I was talking about, like one of one U.S. carrier group, i.e. you take the aircraft carrier, all of its aircraft on it, and all of the support vessels that go along with the aircraft carrier group, however many ships that is, you take that one carrier group, you have more firepower in that one carrier group than the rest of the world's navies combined. And this might have been a little earlier on, maybe, maybe that's changed a little bit, but we have like at least six active, if not eight. At that point, when that stat was told to me, I think there were 12 active carrier groups. Let's see, we could search that really uh, how many active active U.S. carrier groups? Uh, let's see. The Navy maintains 11 carrier strike groups, 10 of which are based in the United States, and one that is forward deployed in Japan. So there you go. There's 11 carrier groups. Let's see. How powerful is a U.S. aircraft carrier group? Again, to say aircraft, I got to say the whole group uh, on Quora. Sometimes Quora is busy. The Bill P. Remember the Chinese Navy floats on Chinese steel, buckets of rust. I saw one of their ships a few years ago in the Pacific. I kid you not. It left a brown, rusty trail in the water. Uh, sometimes some people's kids do, too. <laughs> um, anyway, so somebody said here, um, I've heard that the deployed carrier group is more powerful than most or maybe all of other countries' entire navies. It's true. And the CSG is certainly more powerful than most other entire navies. Remember that there are just under 200 countries in the world, and many have barely a navy to speak of. Navies are usually measured by displacement as the basic measure of size. A Nimitz-class carrier alone would put it somewhere in the mid-teens of largest navies to give you some idea. So it's hardly surprising that the entire CSG is more powerful than 180-odd countries' maritime forces. So that's just one example or confirmation of that quote uh, that that 
proves or at least is evidence of the fact that despite the fact that Chinese might have more ships, the Chinese Navy might have more ships, it doesn't have more firepower. It's nowhere near as strong as our Navy is. Um, this other uh, business insider, um, U.S. military conducted a sink exercise test in 2005 uh, using the decommissioned USS America for target practice to test the defensive capabilities of U.S. carriers um, in order to guide development of future supercarriers. The ship was bombarded repeatedly and hammered in a variety of attacks. The carrier withstood four weeks of intense bombardment before it was finally sunk. Four weeks of bombardment before it was sunk. These leviathans of the seas are beacons of American power. Uh, China could knock one of the U.S. 11 carriers out of the fight, but thinking one of these 100,000-ton warships is just another thing entirely. It's not to say that it can't be done. It's not a simple task. So, yeah, no. The, the idea that, the US, that any U.S. president is failing because the Chinese Navy is larger than our Navy is just an absurd comment made by somebody who doesn't understand what they're talking about. So... Let's see, our police park multiple blocks away from demonstrations but only racked when there's trouble. A lot of the brown stuff sticking to the bottom of the ship is algae. <laughs> hey, Andrea Brower, how are you doing today? Late puppy duty. Oh, I miss, I, I miss having a puppy. I need to have a puppy. There, there, was, a ba- there was an advertisement or whatever on, on the local people that had a bunch of lab puppies available, but they would be available in June. And I'm going on a cruise in the beginning of July, and I don't want to get a new puppy and then immediately leave to go on a cruise. So I'll have to wait till after uh, I come back from the cruise to find myself a new puppy dog. Uh, so other ways that math is hard. So we've gone over the whole gun regulations don't work because they'll still be shooting, but you'll reduce shooting, but they don't understand reduction of harm is, is better than no reduction of harm. But to them, it's either harm or no harm. And if there's any harm, don't take the, you don't take the action, just like with masking, just like with vaccines, um, the the whole again Chicago guns Chicago being the deadliest city it's not it was what 38 I think it was when it got down to where it eventually was uh hey Leslie Shaw thank you for joining new to the group found you from House Sparks there are lots of good sparklers uh jalapenos and other House Sparks supporters and fans here welcome to the club I am one of them by the way I love House Sparks I've loved House Sparks since even before I knew he had his own podcast uh House Sparks Mega Worldwide uh, so I, you know, on his first on the first show, um, I, I was able to do a callback to one of his stand-up specials. Uh, I think he got a kick out of it, which was we were talking about uh, the unvaccinated, and I said, should we not call them the unvaccinated because you're not taking the vaccine and then giving them and then taking it out of them? They're the non-vaccinated. Just as a callback to his bit on whether or not you should call. Unsweetened, unsweetened tea. He was asked, do you want tea sweetened or unsweetened? He's like, I'll take non-sweetened tea, not unsweetened tea. He didn't add the sugar and take it out. So I think he appreciated the fact that I did a callback to his joke. And I was, let me tell you, I was so looking forward to making that. Like I had that planned weeks in advance. And I was like, put write that down in my notes. Tell this joke. And I was telling my friends, I'm going to tell this joke. And I told the joke and it worked. So there you go. Uh, so... The other example of math is hard is <clears throat> there is a there was a poll that was taken in May of 2016. That poll showed that Bernie Sanders uh, was had a higher percentage 
than Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump in May of 2016. So let's let's pull up that number. Uh, May poll Bernie Sanders Trump. Pull that up. Um, that's February. No. These are old ones. I need to put 2016. May 2016 poll. Bernie Sanders Trump. Um, going to PolitiFact. Uh, right now in every major poll, this national poll done in the last month, six, uh, last six weeks, we were defeating Trump by big numbers and always a larger margin than Hillary, margin than Hillary Clinton. So there was a May poll um Sanders versus Trump was 15. Clinton over Trump was three. Uh, Sanders over Trump was 13. Uh, Clinton over Trump was six. Sanders, um, so that was the Fox News poll that had Hillary losing at that point. That's a nationwide popular popular vote. And this vote, oh, this, this conversation always comes out uh, when I'm debating the extremist 12 percenters. What do I mean by extremist 12 percenters? So there was a there was a survey done and it was like 50,000 people surveyed uh, about the 2016 presidential election and of and they po- polled people in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin and they said uh, the uh, Bernie Sanders supporters who uh, of, of the people who voted for Bernie Sanders, 12% flipped to Trump and that was a difference that was a difference maker if they would have voted for Jill Stein. Or if they would have just stayed home and not, and, or voted for Hillary, even if they didn't even have to vote for Hillary, they could have just stayed home or voted for Jill Stein, and Hillary Clinton would have won the presidential election in 2016. Um, but those, these are the people, those 12 percenters, like most Bernie Sanders supporters, like Demonox, Nimbus Yosh, my mom, everybody who I pretty much know was and friend, and, and I'm still friends with today. We're basically saying that, yeah, they like Bernie, but they're not going to let Donald – they're not going to vote in a way that's going to help Donald Trump to win. And, that, and that's the vast majority of Bernie Sanders voters. So if you think I'm talking about you, I'm most likely not talking about you because if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, there's a 88 to 90 percent chance that you did the right thing, that you didn't vote in a way that helped Donald Trump win. But the 12 percent who did – are the ones I am talking about. And these are the people that will still be like, who, who will never, who are like, I'm not voting for Democrats. I'm not, you, I'm not voting. Democrats need to earn my vote before I vote. What, so you're just going to hand it over to the Republican Party? A Democrats need to earn my vote. No. Hey, Kim, she has it going. And look, when it comes to like lower level elections, yeah, every, every politician should be working to earn the vote. But when it comes to the presidential election, I mean, the president can't come and speak to every single person. President's going to have a platform, and you can compare the two platforms. And if, if you, as as Hal Sparks says, <laughs> do if you have the choice between the lesser, if you believe that the choice is between the lesser between two evils, always choose the lesser of two evils. And I would go even further than that, though. And I, I, I went even further than that in this conversation I had this past week, which was um, always take the action that does the least harm. Maybe a, a rewording of it, but. Like, for example, if there's more people in the race, like you could vote for Jill Stein or you could just not vote. You know, you could vote for if you think Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are both evil. But 
Hal would say, choose the lesser of the two evils. Still vote for Hillary Clinton because she's the lesser of the two evils. But let's say you just said, okay, well, I'm not going to vote. Or I'm not, or I'm not going to vote. Or I'm not going to vote for Jill Stein. I'm going to vote third party. Well, doing that potentially helps Donald Trump win. So the action that you're taking might enable the most evil to take place. So that would say, that's why I would say, don't always make the decision that makes it that, that does the less harm, the least amount of harm to people. But what's the problem with the math with the people who use those May polls? from 2016. What's the problem with the people who say, well, Sanders was beating Clinton according to the NBC Wall Street Journal poll between May 15th and May 19th. Uh, Clinton was three over Trump. Sanders was 15 over Trump. Well, doesn't that prove that Bernie Sanders was going to would have won? Two reasons that that's wrong. First reason, it's May. It, it had Clinton beating, in May, it had Clinton beating Trump. Clinton didn't beat Trump. So Clinton didn't beat Trump, despite winning in this poll in May. Why does that mean that Bernie is going to beat Trump? It doesn't. It, 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 not at all. Bernie's numbers could have tanked. They may, may very well would have tanked uh, because during the even during the during the uh, primaries, Donald Trump was doing I think more running against Hillary Clinton, despite her not ha- having secured the nomination yet, than he was against his other Republican opponents. He was constantly barraging, barraging Hillary Clinton. He was constantly barraging Hillary Clinton, but he wasn't barraging Bernie Sanders. He was even trying to say, look at poor Bernie. Look at how they're treating Bernie in order to get, in order to cause upset within the ranks of the people who were voting for left-wing candidates. You know, I understand that there are some people who are leftists who don't want to call Hillary Clinton left-wing. That's fine. But according to Trump, anybody, Biden from beyond are socialists because they're so far to the left. So far to the left, uh, this would be left for you. This is left for me. Um, anyway, but here's the other problem with the math: is that where are those votes coming from? Where is that 15? Where is that additional 12% coming from when it comes to Bernie Sanders? Is it in new states? Is he causing more people in 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 other states that Hillary Clinton wouldn't have won to then show up and vote, or is it coming in like California or New York? Are they, are, is, it, is, is it votes that are coming in states that the Democrats are already going to win? Is it, is it votes that are coming from states that Democrats aren't going to win, but they're, but they're so far behind that maybe the votes, you know, maybe Trump wins 60-40, maybe Trump wins, or maybe it's like 70-30. Maybe Trump wins the state 70-30, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, maybe he then wins it 60-40. Well, he's still winning the state, so you haven't made any gains in states that matter. Why? Because we don't pick presidents based on the popular vote. Uh, Andrew Bauer, he stalked Hillary, basically. Yeah, pretty. I mean, Trump did stalk, pretty much stalk Hillary. Uh, but we have this situation where where you have to win certain states, and it doesn't matter how much you win a state by. You can win a state by a thousand, which is what Biden did in Georgia, or you can win a state by hundreds of thousands. You know, but all that matters is you win the state. Any extra is what they say down here in Louisiana is lanyap. It's extra. So where were those votes going? That that was always that's always my point. Were those votes going to help Hillary, to help Bernie win, like a Michigan, a 
in Wisconsin, in Pennsylvania? Some people might say yes. To that I say, I don't know, because I've talked to plenty of conservatives. I've heard from of many conservatives who, who liked the idea of voting for Bernie in a primary just to harm Hillary Clinton, but then who are always planning on voting for Donald Trump in the, in the general election. So there's also that to consider. How many Bernie, Bernie primary voters were really Bernie supporters versus people who were Bernie primary voters who were always going to vote for Trump? regardless of who won the nomination. And those people may have answered the polls the same way as well. And you also have the issue of the, the lead might not have been that big because there are people who are, when polled, will sometimes give the answer that they don't feel makes them look bad. They might understand that, oh, if I say I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, that I'm somehow going to be viewed negatively, even though that's who I'd like. So I'm going to say somebody else, but I'm really going to vote for Trump. So... Again, that, that is what I want to say. Um, wait, West Webb. If the people really want Build Back Better, they should vote for Democrats in the fall. Uh, yeah, that's true. That is a true statement. If the people want Build Back Better, because that you need to have, because Build Back Better is a spending plan. It's a spending plan as a spending plan as a financial bill only. It only needs a simple majority to pass in the Senate, which means you only need 50 votes in the Senate. However, you have two votes right now in the Senate that are being ridiculous on several aspects of Build Back Better. So if you have more Democrats in the Senate, then you're more likely to pass Build Back Better. Why? Because you won't be able to have the mansions of the world and the cinemas of the world to be able to obstruct. You you take away their power. You take away their ability to, uh, to, 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 block legislation in order to make it look good for their voters. So there's, there's that. And of course you need to keep the house if, because all spending bills have to come from the house. So of course you have to retain the house. So West Webb, that's a very good point. John Deff, I would never vote for Trump even as a protest. So, no, <clears throat> I understand that. Like I was very critical of the Louisiana democratic party. Um, when they endorsed unrepentant convicted felon Edward Edwards, who was a Democrat, for Congress. Edward Edwards was convicted, went to jail, and he's not repentant for the crimes that he did. That being said, uh, there was there was this big election when I was a kid, when I was still in Maryland, and it made national headlines of Edward Edwards versus Klansman David Duke. And the slogan for Edwin Edwards was, vote for the crook, it's important. And I'm mad about this, too, because I should have thought of that whole thing. I, I thought After the election, I, sh- I thought of the whole vote for the crook thing, and I was like, they want to say Hillary's crooked? Fine. I should make bumper stickers. Vote for the crook. It's important. Hillary, 2016. Because if you think she's a crook, fine. She's, it's still better than having a white supremacist, xenophobe, racist bigot in the White House. But again, as I said, I don't like Edwin Edwards. I think he's a terrible politician. I think that he is the cause that Louisiana's Democratic Party has tanked in the state of Louisiana because we used to be blue. I mean, conservative blue, but still blue. Um, But our blind loyalty to this person that has been elevated to mythic levels uh, has hurt the Louisiana Democratic Party. Um, But if it was a choice, again, between unrepentant convicted felon Edwin Edwards and David Duke, former Grand Wizard of the KKK, 
guess what? I'm voting for Edwards. I'm not voting for Duke. Not at all. Not one bit. <clears throat> if it was Edwin Edwards versus Donald Trump, I'm voting for Edwin Edwards. Again, Donald Trump say racist, xenophobe, white supremacist, and I would absolutely not. Well, now, I got a lot of grief when he ran, when Edwards ran for Congress uh, in his district uh, because they, they, they questioned my bona fides as a liberal, as a Democrat. You know, you, how, how could you not support the Democratic Party endorsed candidate? I was like, how could you support him? He won, Edward Edwards is a Democrat, ran on overturning Obamacare. Ridiculous. But let's see. I miss something. What is it? Am I going to? Aaron West, I'm going to quote you on that, West Webb. If the people really want Build Back Better, they should vote for Democrats as all. And I don't necessarily think Webb's, Webb is uh, endorsing Build Back Better. I think in that case, I think it's just making a true statement that generally, if the people want Build Back Better, and maybe I missed something in the, in the, in the scroll of the text, but if people want Build Back Better, vote for Democrats. But unfortunately, turnout tends to be lower in off your elections, and we need to change that this year in order to make sure that that works. It's kind of like Rick Santorum. When Rick Santorum said that if you, if you, in 2012, if you want to overturn Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, the worst person to run is Mitt Romney, uh, because Mitt Romney implemented Romney Care or this, the same thing in Massachusetts when he was governor of Massachusetts. And that's a very good point. He made a very – I don't agree with him. I don't, I don't agree. I, I wouldn't have supported Rick Santorum clearly for president. Just don't, don't Google Santorum because that might give you some bad things. But let's see, West Web. Dan understands. Yes, thank you. I understand. Um, West Web is a rhino. He will vote for Republicans. <laughs> okay. Um, Kimchi, going from Bernie populism to fake Trump populism tells me these people are not too bright. Sorry, not sorry. I agree with you 100%. Um, and, 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 and why did you, I, I often call Donald Trump's so-called populism faux populism. He ran as a populist, but he's a fake one. I mean, he, he ran on this idea that, that workers should be paid better, and you know, he's going to bring back the steel industry, and he's going to – so the steel workers would be like, yeah, he's going to bring back the steel industry. And then he brought back the steel industry and the steel companies didn't increase their pay and screwed over the employees. And they're like, what? We thought we were going to be better off, but we're not. Well, duh, because you believed a corporatist. You believed that a person who's in charge of capital was going to somehow look out for labor. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen at all. No. You need, you need somebody who supports labor if you want labor to – Donald Trump has a history, had a history of screwing over the little guys, screwing over the people that worked for him, not paying them what they're supposed to be paid, which is an interesting point that, that I think I've brought up on the show in the past, where, like, if you if – I, if I have an employer – I mean, I do have an employer, but if I – let's say I work in a store – and I steal $1,000 in cash from the register or whatever. I go to the back and there's 1000 bucks laying there. I put it in my pocket. I walk out. They catch me. I'm going to go to jail for stealing money from my employer. However, if my employer decides to not pay me $1,000 that I'm owed, like let's say they cut my paycheck by $100 every week, every, every pay period, you know, for $100 a month. Let's say they, they don't pay me $100 that they should have been paying me a month. Like I'm paying, paid X, I should have been paid X plus 100. So now, I'm, now they've not paid me $1,200 over the course of the year. 
They've stolen from me, but they don't go to jail. I have to sue them. I have to incur costs to get my money back. And that, that's not even talking about corporations that, you know, do billions of damage to the environment and or who take the potential for wealth from impoverished countries and funnel those uh, natural resources that these impoverished companies, countries have and use them to their benefit without benefiting the impoverished com- countries at all. Those people steal lots of money from them. Hey, Carl Smith, how's it going? Hey, Shell Bell, how are you doing? Glad you both can join us. Uh, again, please remember to subscribe and like if you have not done so already. Uh, let's see. Let's see. West Webb, I vote mostly for Dems offices at least lightly. Huh, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. I always vote in the Republican primary. The Dems don't offer choices. They handpick. <laughs> oh, whatever. I mean, there are choices. I mean, unless you have an open, I mean, but if you're an open primary, I've always been a, I've been a supporter of open primaries. I, I tend to like the idea of an open primary because I think you, you end up getting potentially less extreme candidates and you also tend up getting uh, the ability for you to self, you in an in open primary can nine times out of 10, or maybe even more times out of other times, like 95 times out of 100 in an open primary, you'll get the opportunity to say, okay, um, I'm going to vote for the person that I like the best. And in the, in the, in the first part of the election, in the, in the open primary, if, if my candidate doesn't make it and no other candidate gets uh, 50% plus one of the votes, I can then vote for... Uh, the worst of the two evils at that point. Uh, sometimes open primaries, you have to be smart. Uh, there was the mayor's race, two mayor's races ago in New Orleans. Um, I wasn't necessarily big on the person ultimately when I ended up voting for her. Um, but there was a clear worst of the top three polled candidates. So you have three candidates polling the top three. And one of them was clearly bad. And you didn't want him making the runoff. So I had to vote for who I thought was going to be the best of those three instead of voting for the person I might have ideally wanted simply because you had to be more strategic with that vote. But typically, uh, you're not in that situation. Typically, you're in a situation of I'm going to be voting for uh, the person who I like the most in the open primary, and then in the, in the runoff, I'll vote for the person who I dislike the least if my guy didn't make it to the runoff, I, I should say. Um, let's see. Almost every product consumers purchase are imported from countries that use child labor. That's a fair point. Um, I've tried to reduce my Walmart foot, Walmart footprint, um, by buying from brands, uh, buying from a company, um, that it produces everything, at least most things I think in the United States, um, nothing, I don't, I don't think anything uses child labor. It's all environmentally friendly and stuff like that. And again, it makes me reduce my Walmart footprint. I buy stuff like detergents from this company and uh, the detergents, um, supplements like vitamins, um, what cleaners like household cleaners, stain removers, odor reducers. Um, they also have a whole bunch of essential oils and other products that I don't use, but hey, whatever. If you're interested in learning about that, come just email me, liberaldanradio at gmail.com. Um, just put you know, reduce my Walmart footprint in the title and, uh, or just say Walmart footprint and, and we can talk about that because um, you're not supposed to say the name of the company publicly. It is, here's, it is an MLM type of company. And I, I should do a show on MLMs because a lot of MLMs are garbage. Um, 
a lot of MLM companies are absolute garbage. And, and I would say run away from most of them, kicking and screaming, absolutely, 100%. You know, like LuLaRoe, LuLaRoe is a terrible company. Never, nobody should do LuLaRoe. I think they're still in operation. There are other companies, again, where you have to have your own stuff to sell to other people. Yeah, that's, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. You know, the only times I'll ever buy a product from a, from, from a company that structures itself as an MLM is if I'm using the products and if I, and, and if there's no, like you use the products with the things you might get rich later, no, it's, can I buy these products for a price that I think is fair and never work the business a day in my life and feel like I'm getting a good deal. And if that's what you get from an, if you can find that in the MLM country and it's rare to find. I think I found two, but it's rare to find. But if you find it, it's wonderful. It's good. Go ahead. Like I've been using company from this, uh, from this product uh, for uh, six years now, maybe eight years now from this company. So yeah, I, I think I get, I think one person signed up to get under, under me or whatever. And I get two bucks a month from it. Again, I'm not trying to get rich off of it. I'm just trying to reduce my Walmart footprint and, buy more stuff that's economically friendly, ships more economically, et cetera. Um, anyway, let's see. Bill P. The Hep A outbreak from strawberries came overseas. Testing for the food is decimated because Trump, Trump come back on food inspection. Can anyone say formula contamination? Yes, I can. Uh, the funny thing is, is there was that recall on the foreign strawberries, um, and it was from March. Like these, if you bought these strawberries in March, throw them away. If I bought the strawberries in March, they're either in my stomach and I've already gone into the sewer system or they're moldy and I need to throw them away to begin with. So it's crazy. Let's see. I just made up Satan spinach, LOL. <laughs> Satan spinach, hilarious. Now, I'm Douglas. That's good. At least you're making an effort. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I want to shop at Walmart as little as possible. Is it, is it possible to completely eliminate Walmart footprint? No, it's not. And, and there's a whole other topic of discussion that could be had when it comes to those sort of things, simply because of the fact that, um, like, especially if you have certain needs, like, let's say – I had a child, that child needed specialty formula, and the specialty formula was only available at Rouse's. And Rouse's is a grocery store in Louisiana, and the owner of Rouse's was at the January 6th. I don't know if he went into the capital or not, but he seemed to be rather supportive of the people who did. So I haven't shopped at Rouse's since I found that out. However, if I had a child that needed specialty formula, and the only place I could find the specialty formula in the city was at a Rouse's. Then I would say I'm going to go buy it at Rouse's because my kid's health is more important than me making a political stand about this. So if the, my, my wife has celiac disease, if there was food that if, if I couldn't find any other food good for people with celiac, except for at Walmart, guess what? I'd be going to Walmart and be buying that stuff. Why? Because again. My wife's health is more important than making a political point about it. Um, West Web, where else can you buy manure, a pole saw, and Cap'n Crunch at the same register? Just don't eat the Cap'n Crunch while sitting in the manure, and that, that's a good thing. Um, Leslie Shaw, rolling back regulations is hardly ever a good idea. Once in a while, it can open a market, but generally it's regulated for a reason. Absolutely. Um, and conservatives like will cut regulations just 
to cut regulations, it's just to spite regulations. Uh, and that's, that, that, are there examples where there's overregulation? Sure, I'm all for discussing individual regulations and seeing if it's too much or too low. I think in New Orleans, I think they, had, they went to a point where they had overregulated the taxi cabs to the point where it was just far too much of regulation. Like they were acquiring too much of the drivers. And I was like, you know what? That's ridiculous. It's too much. You're, you're putting too many requirements. In that case, relax it a little bit. But when it comes to safety, no, there should be safety requirements. And, and not only should the regulations be there, they should be enforced. For example, the uh, Macondo oil well spill, the Deepwater Horizon, Horizon catastrophe that took place that killed 11 people um, and also ruined the livelihoods of a lot of people, the Louisiana fishermen and other people who fish in the Gulf of Mexico in that there was, you know, steps they could take and, and right, better regulations that would have required them to have the piece of equipment that would, that would have prevented the explosion of the well and would have prevented the loss of life and the pollution of oil into the Gulf um, would, have, would have been very, very easy to put in and, and relatively speaking cheap for them to put in. But any money that they can save and cut corners on is more money that they could line their pocketbooks with and use to build their golden parachutes. So therefore... Um, therefore, uh, they're going to cut corners whenever possible. Robert Douglas says, not true, liberal Dan. What's not true? Be more specific. Sometimes if I scroll away and then scroll back, I don't necessarily, and there's also a delay here. So when I'm talking right now, um, like I'm spinning this thing right here and I don't see it starting to spin. And it's, it's about five, six, seven seconds afterwards where I now see it on the screen. So there's, uh, there's delay, so I don't know exactly what you're calling not true. So you have to be a little more specific when it comes to that. Um, let's see, Bill P. A leak was discovered in an underground oil tank 10 miles from here. It had been inspected every year until 2017. Now the Guan water is messed up in that area. I mean, that's understandable that that would happen. It's funny, though, because there are a lot of people who are, we're for drilling, we're for oil, we want gas, we want petroleum, we want all of this stuff. Drill, 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 baby, drill. Oh, we're going to drill, uh, we're going to start fracking in by the Abita Springs Aquifer in, in, in the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain in Louisiana, in, in the northern suburbs, I guess, of, of New Orleans. No, you can't do that. It's our drinking water. That's, that's, that's why NIMBY folks are probably the most aggravating political people, because they'll be I'll advocate for something, but nope, not in my backyard. Like, you know, if a lot of times people want to drill more, drill baby drill, well, Drill baby drill only works so much. You have to be able to have the refining capacity to refine the oil that you drilled. And if you don't increase the refining capacity, well, guess what? You can't refine the oil that you drilled. So there's sort of, there's a choke point there, but nobody wants to build more refineries because nobody wants a refinery in their backyard. And if a refinery went into somebody's backyard, not proverbially, clearly, not literally in their backyard, but a refinery is built, then guess what? They're going to be mad at that elected officials. That elected officials are going to work as hard as they can to not have that refinery. Just like when Ted Kennedy was alive and, you know, when he was, you know, he was a supporter of green energy. Well, they wanted to put windmills off of the coast where he lived. And he was like, no, I don't want them there. He didn't want to see these windmills. He didn't want to be inconvenienced by the, he didn't want his view obstructed in any way by the windmills. And so that's hypocrisy because NIMBY is hypocrisy. There's no H. Unfortunately, there's no H in NIMBY, but there is a big hypocrisy for NIMBY-type folks. But I'm going to call that out, and I don't care if you're on my side of the aisle or not. If you're advocating for something but then don't want that something in your neighborhood, nope, don't do it. I see it more from Republicans. Don't get me wrong. 
uh, but I, I, it comes from Democrats and liberals as well. Uh, I remember seeing one, one, it was a newscast or something, and there was a woman, and there was a, she had built a house or bought a house, and it was right next to this very big park. And the park, on the other side of the park, they were going to build a Walmart. And the woman was like, I know I'm a Republican, and I'm supposed to support open business and be supporting a business, but I don't want that Walmart in my, where I can see it from my park. Again, NIMBY, hypocrites. Let's see, did, did Robert ever answer me? So Robert says, not true. Oops, forgot about delay, but doesn't say what, what was not true. So I don't know what's not true or not. Um, I think they're kind of pretty, probably because we have several wind farms here in Kansas. I mean, I think they would look deep. I mean, I think if you had a new, you know, brand spanking new uh, wind, uh, you know, some turbines or whatever, you know, to me, it would look like you're living almost in, in the future, getting your wind farm in the future. Of course, if you're Donald, would be like, Donald Trump, I don't want, no, I'm, what am I doing? I'm doing Clinton. No. I don't want to have the windmills because they kill the birds. The windmills kill the birds, and they cause cancer. Windmills cause cancer, so we can't have wind wind farms. Whatever. Um, I can't believe I started out doing my Clinton advertisement. Clinton invitation, I mean. Uh, let's see, Robert, do people want drilling as much as they want windmills in their backyard? I mean, no, people want don't want drilling in their neighborhood. They, they, they all fight drilling in their neighborhoods. Just they would like they'll fight wind farms in their neighborhoods. They want drilling to take place in other places. They want drilling in other places. They don't want to have to see the drilling, but they will want the drilling to happen, despite the fact that, well, you know, the reason. And here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to end, but I, I, I talked when I called into the morning show that I talk on this week, or call into a lot this week, listen to a lot. Excuse me, cough. Um, it's the whole, there's the whole idea of who's to blame for all these current oil increases. And clearly the answer is Donald Trump. And people will say, well, I thought you said that presidents can't set gas prices. Well, typically they can't, you know, Joe Biden can't in and of itself set gasoline prices. And there's the, there's the factual statement Biden may have reduced the permits, but there are still plenty of unused permits that could be used that are being chosen not to use. But that's not Donald Trump's fault. That's not Biden's fault. That's corporate greed. What, what is Donald Trump's fault, though, is the fact that he, in 2020, at the same time, he was saying that gasoline prices were going to go up during the Biden presidency, if Biden became president. I think he knew that Biden was going to become president. He negotiated this deal between Russia and OPEC, because Russia and OPEC, remember when, gas, remember when oil was like, negative dollars per barrel like they were literally saying we will give you money to take our oil so that we don't have to store it so you can store it they were producing way too much oil for the current demand so what had happened was you had opec and russia doing this price war donald trump stepped in and because he wanted to protect his oil buddies and domestically with the price of oil so he basically convinced Russia and OPEC to cut production of like eight eight million barrels per day uh, through a certain date, and then the rest of the time it was six million barrels per day 
through the end of April of 2020. This is 2000 that he's making this negotiation, and he, and he set this deal up to go into the next term, into 2020. So they're artificially reducing their output of oil. If you artificially restrict the output of oil, guess what's going to happen? Your, your price is going to be artificially high because the price was so low back when there was no demand because we're in the middle of a pandemic. But then that deal that he – this is why he's not the art of the deal guy because he didn't put into that deal, well, if demand goes back up to a certain level, then we're going to eliminate that cut on supply. We're going to continue to drill at the previous drilling levels. That was not put in there because he's dumb. So you created a situation where the Russia and OPEC agreed to reduce the production of oil and reduce how much oil that gets put out into the open market while everyone's, you know, coming out of the pandemic, uh, which is, you know, we're still in a pandemic, but we're, you know, every, more people are going out, more people are using gas, more people are using fuel, more people are doing things, less, more closer to normal than it was in 2020. And so the demand for gas went through the roof, but the supply of gasoline maintained at that low agreed to level. And I'm sure they continue to drill out that output because they're like, hey, we like these oil prices now. We love it. So we're not going to produce anymore because we're going to start making money, keep making money hand over fist over, over this increased prices that we're now seeing. So Trump is the one that negotiated these, these rates, these, these, these production rates. And as such, he is the cause of the oil, the, the oil supply reduction, which means he's responsible for this spike of gasoline prices. Robert Douglas, the abundance of permits under Biden must meet an abundance of requirements. But, the, but, the, but they're still there, and they're choosing to not drill. That's the thing, is that they're sitting on these permits, and they're not drilling on these permits. And they'll, they'll make the excuse. They're gonna, I'm sure there are oil companies that are making the excuse of, well, Biden's done X, Y, and Z, so therefore we don't want to risk the investment that it's going to take to do drilling in these permitted areas. But in reality... They're probably sitting there thinking, oil prices are pretty good right now. We're making a lot of money on the oil that we're making at this current output level. We see no reason to expand drilling. That's probably the real reason. And if you, if you trust a corporation when they're telling you the reason why they want to do things, I have a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. Um, let's see. It's illegal to sell surplus energy back. So was it not illegal? It's just not possible at the moment, so might as well not be legal. That's weird, though. That you know, when when you if you if you so if you have surplus energy from a solar farm, that's another thing you know you could do to you know, cut your costs. I was looking into it back then, but I didn't have the money to to even buy it at the at the at the cheapy cheapy rate to get the solar panels on my house. I didn't even know if they would be available on my house because of the tree coverage and the angle of my roof. Uh, but um, but yeah, there there are some places where you can sell. Um, your your excess solar energy back onto the back onto the grid, um, but I guess in Virginia that's not you're not able to do so. They don't have the, the ability to do so, so it's not necessarily illegal, but it's just not possible uh, for them to do that, which sucks. Um, but I think I've, there are also ways you can get like I think Tesla batteries or Generac batteries or other forms of batteries where you can store excess unused energy so that other times during the day. Or when you know you might have not have as much sun, 
you could then use those, that extra energy yourself instead of having to push it back out onto the grid. So um, don't be, I'll never produce excess energy in the mountains. We like sunshine and steady wind. But if I can generate 80% uh, use, it can help. Kim um, I refused to cut down my beautiful tulip poplar, so solar panels are useless to in my house position. There you go. Um, I would cost me more to install it than whatever make back, so I pay extra for guaranteed green energy. And that's one of the things that I used to like, but well, I like about the general concept of governments owning the government owning the the grid, or government controlling and and being responsible for the repair and upkeep of the grid, uh, and then you could have any electricity energy producer putting energy onto the grid, and then consumers could then buy that energy off the grid. Um, and you'd be able to do so. And you could, so if you wanted to buy green energy, you could buy green energy. If you wanted to buy the cheapest energy in the world, you could buy the cheapest energy in the world that you could find. Um, you know, the problem is you can't do it like Texas because Texas's grid was, you know, cut off from the rest of the government from the rest of the country, and therefore they wanted to, you know, be be free from government regulations or whatever. And therefore, and then you had a bunch of people freezing because they couldn't handle the the, the extreme colds and the power grid issues that they were dealing with during that big freeze that took place. So, uh, but, but generally speaking, I like the, I, th- I think that government should always be the ones controlling the grid and then you should be able to purchase energy from the grid. And, and including that, you know, hopefully would be, you know, being able to buy grid from excess, excess solar panel information. So, uh, Kimchi, good, good, thanks. Let's see. Oh yeah, that's the battery. Okay. I was like, what's the good tip? Robert Douglas, it's almost impossible to meet green specs when what's needed hasn't been created yet. We can be greener. Again, that's the thing. It's not, you're greener. Even if the technology has been made to make it completely clean or to completely, you know, green, you could still be greener. You could still, you could still generate this power in a cleaner way. I mean, people don't like nuclear power plants because, again, they're afraid of like a three-mile island or Chernobyl incident happening in their backyard. When nuclear power, the, the newest of the nuclear power plants could, you know, are very safe. But, again, nobody wants them in their backyard. So um, when geothermal goes mainstream and cost-effective, oil will go away. That would be lovely. Um, although, yeah, I mean – one of the things that, that is a valid, the one valid concern that I've heard conservatives talk about when it comes to energy, uh, when it comes to electric cars and not having oil run cars or whatever, is what if you're evacu- What if you're in a big traffic jam, like a big snowstorm? They'll use a snowstorm example. I would use from being from Louisiana would use the evacuating from a hurricane example, where where you're stuck in traffic. You know, I like to get away from the hurricane early. Uh, when we evacuate so therefore like we left i think six hours before everybody else did and we managed to make it uh to georgia in really good time when other people were leaving new orleans back last year during hurricane ida they did not they were not as lucky but if you're stuck in like when i evacuated from uh was it katrina when i evacuated from hurricane katrina back in 2005 i want to say it took me 13 hours to get from New Orleans to Houston, typically only a five-hour, five, five-and-a-half-hour drive. The traffic was terrible. Now, I mean, I made it. I think I made it there close to one. I think we we did fill up gasoline, I think, and brought some gasoline cans with us. But 
the idea that, you know, what if you're stuck in traffic and you can't get out and you're going to be running your engine, then you lose power. How do you get that power back if you can't get gasoline in your car? You have to go to one of these other stations and then so the stations have to be ready available. So the infrastructure would have to be there um, for these, for, for electric charging stations would have to be there as an infrastructure matter in order for electric cars to be a more widespread thing. But we also should be investing in things like high-speed rail, where, you know, you could just, you know, go have super fast trains that go take you between, like, New Orleans and Houston, like, I'm not, not in a snap, but much more quickly than you could get driving there. And then you would, would have to worry about the cars because you just go by train. But... Um, you can heat, use the heat stored in boulders underground 10, 20 feet to boil water in a turbine similar similar to nuclear power plant recaptured energy stored in the boulders more efficient than batteries uh, let's see, shall geothermal is what's up you can put a hearth and build your home so that you have a lot of south facing windows that is a lot of your energy cost right there now I had a, I think it was a teacher in middle school it was, I don't think she, it was in Maryland So, but the way they had had their house built uh, included a lot of those things where they faced it certain ways and they had certain, they built it a certain way to where it was very energy efficient. So you didn't have to use any energy, any electricity, if at all, for dealing with like heating and cooling and stuff like that. Like you could, with the fans, they were able to get it cool, even in the summertime. And with their fireplace, they were able to heat it in the winter. So they didn't need much, if any, it was very energy efficient house. So I always thought it was a neat house, but, you know, not everybody could do that. Because, again, just as I talked about in my episode of the podcast, when I talk about um, life as a fat man in, in society, that's from back in October. So if you haven't watched that or listened to it, look it up. It, it, it's one of my best shows, I think. It's one of my best non-Health Park shows. Um, you, uh, there's also It's also expensive to be cleaner it's expensive to do the things to, to make renovations to make the changes to your house to make it in the long run be more energy efficient uh, so and, and that's one of the problems is that's why sometimes you'll see federal subsidies for getting things like tax write-offs for getting you know green appliances and green you know alter alterating your house to be able to have more green electricity and i wish they would do more of like the solar panel stuff again because it'll be better for people to be able to do that um, but then i think there are people that kind of con the system and like, okay, well, we're going to lease it to you. And therefore you're going to pay, you're going to pay us for the money, but you're still paying less. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I saw some things that looked kind of scammy to me. Speaking of scams before I, I end the show, I think I'm going to end the show soon. Um, but speaking of scams, um, I got a letter in the mail today. My wife did. Uh, and we opened it. I was like, this looks weird just from its face. Open it up and look at it. And it was from U.S. Bank basically saying that somebody was using my wife's personal information to try to open a credit card. And if we d didn't open this credit card, and it was like a Harley Davidson credit card or something, as we found out, call this number. So we called the number. We finally got to talk to somebody after a while, after a while on hold. And we're like, no, we didn't open that card. And so they went ahead and, um, you know, they reported to the credit reporting bureaus that it was, a, it was a fraudulent opening of a card. They did not allow the card to be opened. So then, but they gave us the address that was used to uh, to apply for the card, and I so I did some research myself, and I found there was a business that was a home <coughs> cleaning business that was <coughs> excuse me a home cleaning business that was at that house, and like three names 
whatever. I don't remember the names off the top of my head. That's not important. So I found out, you know, but really, but I was like, let's see if I should file. Let's let's try and file a police report. So I called Houston, the Houston Police Department. I found the Houston Police Station that was in that zip code, and I picked the right one apparently because my Google foo was strong, and they. The, they made like compared to what it needed to, to make statements when I had to make some police statements, our police report locally. It was like, sure, I'll take this police report for you. Take all the information, write it all down. I got an item number. I, I emailed them the, the uh, a picture of the of the letter that we got from the credit card company or from the bank saying here's the address. And they're like, all right, someone might be in contact with you in a couple of days to find out. It was the most ridiculously easy thing I've ever had to deal with when it comes to dealing with police officers. It was like, me and my wife were looking at each other like, what just happened? Why was that so easy? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Let's see. Kicking Streets, Ukraine has gallium, highly reflective future solar panels. Putin knows that. Uh, the technology will get better if we invest in it. Yep. Anybody have a biomass as an energy source? Uh, I, don't, I don't have that. Let's see. Julie. I will go to listen to that Fat Man show. I have a six foot eighteen predicted to be six ten in the world that's not accommodating for the wide earth tall. And wow, six foot ten—that's crazy. But yeah, yeah, please go listen to that show. It, it, I don't know how much is going to be uh, directly applicable to height versus weight, but I know big guys can also just be big bulky guys as well. Let's use a skinny toothpick you know, type of big person, but a lot of big guys tend to be just big in general. But yeah, there's a lot of things I think that could potentially be um, applicable, at least uh, tangentially uh, with, with dealing with several things or like we can't fit in things. Like, I don't know if I, I probably did include the story, but I'll, I'll say it here again. I was one time went to an amusement park um, back when my, my young, my oldest son was like a year old and New Orleans to Baltimore Halfway is about Knoxville, so we met halfway so that my mom can see my my oldest son, um, and we could spend some time together. And we ended up going to Dollywood, and so in Dollywood we went on this. I went on this roller coaster, and it was one of your typical like like cookie cutter type of roller coasters. And the the uh, warning sign said that if you want to ride this roller coaster, the restraint has to click once in order for you to be able to ride the roller coaster. So you get the restraints, you pull the restraint down. As long as it clicks once, you're safe, and you could ride the roller coaster. And I'm like, the line's not very long. Maybe I'm too big. Maybe I'm not. I was smaller then than I am now. Um, maybe I'm big. Maybe I'm not. But there's, it's worth it to try because it's a very short line. So I get in. I sit down in the, in the seat. I reach up. I pull down. I'm like, click, 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 click. I'm like, how hat do you have to be to not ride this ride so but yeah I, there's there are just like one ride at disney that i currently can't ride on because they've made it the way you have to sit in there and you have to like shove yourself in like my stomach and my legs are just too thick i can't i can't i can't fit in that ride and it's frustrating um but yeah finding clothes sometimes is, is a pain in the neck finding you know just just Flying on a plane, that's annoying. That's why I typically tend to drive most places where I go because driving just is much more comfortable than flying, even though I can get places much more quickly if I fly. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 I would highly recommend that episode. It's good. It's three hours, but, I mean, you, could, you don't have to watch it. You could just have it on listening to it in the background. And you know, Even if you don't have a situation, if you just want to learn about 
my life as a, as a fat person, then yes. Let's see. He's 250 pounds. I wish I was 250 pounds. But 250 pounds at six foot. Um, yeah, I, I remember when I was two. I would love to be 250 pounds at six feet right now. So if he's 250 pounds at six eight, going to be six ten. He's he's probably much more svelte than I am. But good for you for wanting to uh, to make sure that he you, you can handle any any troubles he might have to deal with that might be tangentially related to to the issues that I talk about in that in that episode. Um, yeah, that's what I've said. Cars and airplanes don't accommodate big and tall people. There are some cars that don't. Like I've gotten into some Ubers where I'm like, I can't put the seatbelt on. Why is the seatbelt so small? Um, but my so when I buy when we bought cars, I've had a basic like, is I going to fit in this car? Okay, good. I can fit in this car. Therefore, we can buy it. Um, airplanes. I mean, Southwest Airlines is actually really good when it comes to to dealing with overweight people. They will. You can tell them, hey, I'm big. I need I need an accommodation for my size. They will give you a little ticket to put on the seat next to you, and they'll be like, "Okay, nobody gets to sit next to you. You get that second seat as well, so you get so you get comfort of not being squished." Furthermore, they'll give you an extender if you need it, so that's good. And sometimes you don't even need the extender, depending on how the other seatbelts are made. But yes, typically speaking, airlines are terrible at dealing with large people and tall people fitting in those little sardine cans. Uh, let's see. Because of what I do, consider releasing a report, but if I do it, it would stop and slow environmental movement from going forward. I don't know what that means. Uh, um, oh, hot Solar panels are not good long-term for use on land. They pollute in a way not recognized yet, and that's not good. Um, Julie, my son cannot ride anything at Disney. There's no point in even going. He's so extremely disabled, which is another problem with this. Like, yeah, that's terrible. I'm sorry about that. Um, Robert Douglas, windmills also use fossil fuel. I mean, fuel, I'm sure that's a typo. Windmills, I mean, in their construction, I'm guessing. Um, solar panels have adopted massively will force massive droughts. Uh, is that because of, like, the amount of heat that it absorbs that it makes the the, the land around it hot? Is that right, behind in the shadows? Um, so that's why I'm six foot 195. So here's the thing. And that's another thing I talked about in that episode, a little spoiler alerts from that episode. I was a senior in high school. I was six feet tall and 195 pounds as a senior in high school. And I thought I was fat back then. That's how terrible of a country we live in. That's how terrible our society is. That's how terribly we treat fat people is that six foot, someone who's six foot and 195 pounds is viewed as being overweight in this country. And that's terrible. I would love to be six foot and 195 again. That would be lovely. Lovely, lovely. Even if I was 230 or 270, I felt like I was fine. I mean, I would love 190. I don't know. I don't even know if I would like 195 again. I would like a little bit more of a dad bod than 195. Dad bods are in, right? <laughs> um, John Depp, I'm 6'1", but people like that tall like that made me feel tiny. Uh, Kinky Street, solar panels with force droughts. How? I mean, I, I don't, again, I could, I could. I've heard something where if you had Yeah, kimchi. I thought I was fat, but goddamn, I was one hot chick. I mean, people, people look at that, uh, at that, uh, at my pictures when I'm a se- when I was a senior. I'll post pictures when I was a senior in high school, like when I was 18 years old. Here's Dan at 18 years old, all clean shaven, 
all like in my tuxedo graduation and all the people on my page making thirsty ass comments about me and, and how good I looked back then. I'm like, where were y'all when I was that young? Where were y'all? Because again, I felt like I was fat back then. I, I, I dated some, I had some, some luck dating. I didn't have the confidence that I did like maybe later on in college, but yeah, I was like, but again, I felt like I was a big fat guy and, and I felt like I couldn't get the, you know, people, I felt people looked at me like I was big old fatty when in reality I was svelte back then. People, there are people who definitely liked me back then. There are people who had crushes on me in high school that I had no idea. And I found out later on in life, I was like, really? There was one where we were having a conversation and I was like, I had a crush on you, but I thought, I thought you were out of my league. And she was like, I had a crush on you. And I thought you were out of my league. I was like, well, I guess we were both stupid. Um, but you know, things happen. Uh, I've been having to have the blog talk or someone could have called and I might not have even realized that somebody called, but you know, things happen, you know, and, and, and life works out as it is. I mean, if I changed anything about my life, I wouldn't have my wife and my kids potentially. So it is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Uh, so let's see. Um, Bill P. Uh, let's see a six, one and a half. Trim 279, went to the hospital. Uh, yesterday, my blood pressure was 130 over 88. My A1C was 5. That's awesome. Um, my A1C was slightly elevated the last time, but I was also not doing what I should be, should have been doing, um, which was, you know, following my diet as I was supposed to. Like, not diet, but I was counting my calories and making sure I had less calories. Um, but my blood pressure has always been great. Like, I've had people, like, look at me twice, like, wait, you're 120 over 70? What? How is that possible? I'm like, you can do it again, but you can get the same results. Um, see, Heiner says, go look at the weather patterns of our large solar farms before and after and watch storms move as they get pushed away from those areas. I'd be interested to see that. If you have any, like, if you have, like, links about that, hide in the shadows, email me, liberaldanradio at gmail.com. Uh, I would definitely like to see that i don't necessarily believe that that's true i've heard some issues about like the because solar panels are absorbing so much heat that it causes like problems with the wildlife around the area because it's just so hot that the wildlife can't live there and maybe it might hurt the vegetation that's underneath i could see that i don't know about changing weather pattern patterns that's almost getting that sounds chemtraily now again i don't i'm not saying it is but i'd like to see it but you know one of the, things, the amusing things about the chemtrail people is that uh, the people will, who are chemtrail people will, will doubt that humans can have any effect on the climate. They, they think climate change is a hoax. They'll believe that chemtrails affect, are affecting the weather. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? They're not affecting. Like, you can't have one and not the other. If, if chemtrails can affect the weather, then, human, then industry from the humans can affect the climate. And don't be ridiculous about that. Um, they want to help with the environment. Also stay away from roof shingles that are dark. Uh-oh, I have dark roof shingles. Um, let's see. Very chemtraily. Uh, Julie, I went down to 19% body fat after my stroke with all the cholesterol-busting drugs. Have they put me on? I wasn't remotely big before, but yikes. Uh, yeah, it's amazing what some drugs can do. 
Um, laws could be passed that make it illegal for dark signals on roofs. According to the amount of coverage, it's not yet known before we have major effects. I, again, I, have, I, I would definitely be interested in seeing information about that. I'm always interested in seeing information about that, but, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical. Let's just say I'm, I'm skeptical about that. Anyway, um, I'll go ahead. I'll take my uh, – I've been waving around my uh, CBD pen, the other thing from the other uh, – the other uh, – what's it? CBD oil. So it's not full-on weed, but it is – uh, it is, I guess, a cannabinoid or whatever. So, and and it is legal. So I do, I'm not breaking the law by using it. And it has helped, I feel, with some of my knee pain that I've been dealing with. So that's the other company that I get for because it's like this thing is like 120 bucks for this, but it's like uh, 120 doses. So it's a dollar a dose, which is kind of cheap, uh, as 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 I've heard from other people who use a similar type of product. So if you use this type of product and you're interested in this one as well. Email me, liberalinradio.gmail.com, and I'll be very happy to uh, give you some more information about that as well. Um, again, you know, I guess email CBD, liberalinradio.gmail.com, put CBD in the, in the title if you want to learn about that. Um, Walmart Footprint if you want to learn about the other thing. Again, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to help you cut back on your Walmart Footprint. If you don't, I'll still use the product. It's not going to hurt me any, so it's fine. I'm not trying to like, sell you things. I will get a benefit if you do enroll, but I'm not trying to sell you anything. You know, if you, you do it, you do it, you don't, you don't, not a big deal. You know, if I was, if I was going to get you to, to sign up, to, to, if I wanted you to spend money that, that was not going towards products, I'd just have you sign up with Patreon. Anyway. Cool. Thank you, Leslie. Appreciate it again. Uh, so if you have any questions, again, feel free to email me, liberaldenradio.gmail.com. I'm, I'm, I'm very receptive. I think others will tell you that I am. Um, I can't guarantee that I'll answer you immediately simply because of the fact I do have a full nine to five job because this hasn't taken off yet, but hopefully this will. Um, if you can, you know, spread the word about the show. If you like it, say, Hey, go, go subscribe. To, hey, if, if I had the current listenership and just 600 something more subscribers, I would be monetized. So take that as you will have people, you know, if people are if not interested, you know, who might not be interested, say, Hey, just subscribe to this channel for me. It'll do my uh, liberal Dan a favor. I think we, we need to do a better job, I think, especially people who are on the left wing, people who are liberals, leftists, progressive, et cetera. I think we need to do a better job. I have a video about this as well here on YouTube. I think we need to do a better job at supporting our smaller podcasts because we have Stephanie Miller. We have your house sparks. We have, you know, some people who are, you know, syndicated nationwide on radio stations like, uh, Tom Hartman and other folks, but you need a farm team. Like you're not, you're not going to have everybody at major league baseball level at all times, but you know, you need to have, while you have those people in the majors, you need to be, have those people in the minor leagues who are kind of developing their skills and kind of building themselves up because we need to be fighting conservatives at every level because we need to be fighting those conservative messages at every level because they don't care how they cheat to win in 2022. The only way we're going to overcome the cheating that they're doing, because they're projecting, they claim that we cheat, but that's just projection from what they're doing. The only way to get this uh, solved, the only way to protect, you know, at more civil liberties that, that they're trying to strip away from us to protect voting rights is to come out and vote in mass. There, there was a report on the news today that like they're going to have an army of people. They're who they want to have people camping out by ballot boxes. They want to have people trained to challenge uh, people. At the voting booth, like I challenge this person as a legitimate voter, and we all know 
who they're going to challenge and what they might look like. Just keep that in mind. John Duff, thank you so much. I appreciate it uh, for saying I'm a very good speaker. Um, I've been told a lot that I have a voice for radio. I hopefully don't have a face for radio. <laughs> I guess my wife might not have married me. Uh, let's see. Shut up a cash app or PayPal. I do have PayPal. Liberaldayradio at gmail.com is my PayPal account as well. You can, I think if you also do the buy me a cider link on the blog talk radio page or on liberaldayan.com, I think that goes directly to my PayPal as well. You could also Venmo me at liberaldayan as well. Um, Let's see, do I have a green screen? Um, it's not a green, it's, it's a fake green screen. So um, the screen behind me, it, it, it's, it's uh, what's it called? XSplit VCAM is the, is the program it's called. It puts a virtual green screen behind me. Um, like I could remove it and it just then shows whatever's behind me. Um, or I can just put the, I think if I remove it, I think it's just, if I remove it like this, let's see. If I do that, waiting for it to to load. There you go. Well, it's happened on the software now. You'll see in a second where now I have nothing behind me. Uh, there you go. There's my switch output from behind me. So that that's that's the switch output and my liberal Dan Radio logo. Um, I think that's on me on time. But or I can go back and and put the uh, image for Math is Hard back up. So that's the virtual green screen. Um, Robert Douglas, men in suits came to my door when I emailed you. That's what you always say. Bringing in, boy. Um, Bill P, rather run or roll. My wife's telling me to take my meds. Go take your meds. Take care of yourself. I'm about to roll myself, roll myself down the, uh, uh, roll myself down the path, roll down the stairs. Maybe get me some small snack or whatever. Um, but again, remember for anybody who's still here, I, I am going to do probably, I guess, around eight. I think around eight p.m. I will do um, that next live reaction video tomorrow, eight p.m. Central here on YouTube, and it's probably just going to be on YouTube. It's not going to be on Block Talk Radio. So if you want to join me for that and have the discussion about what that video says, I've watched a little bit of it, but I haven't watched the whole thing, kind of like what I did with the, uh, um, with the previous uh, live that I did. Um, but again, join me for that. Uh, tell your friends everything. Glad everybody can join me um, for this and this and every week. Um, just trying to find the clip for the end. There's the show end clip right there. Again, this has been the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left. That's right. I will be back tomorrow, 8 p.m. Central, to do the live reaction. And then every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash Liberal Dan or Liberal Dan Radio here on YouTube. Uh, please remember to subscribe to the channel, like the videos, go watch some of our other videos and like them as well. Um, you know, tell your friends about the channel. I'm trying to get to a 1,000. I'm trying to do that grind to get up there to get monetized. So until, for those that are coming tomorrow, until tomorrow, but until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Over Dan Radio, Talk from the West, that's right.